Alex Rogan had a dream. You really are leaving here, aren't you? To be as far away from here as possible. You get your chance when it comes. You got to grab it with both hands. It started with a game. You're gonna bust the record. But it wasn't just any game. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Sur and the Kodan Armada. And then one night, Centauri's the name. We have to talk about a matter of utmost importance. Step into my office. I've seen him come and I've seen him go, but you're the best, my boy. Light years ahead of the competition. Then, Alex didn't find his dream. Who's ever imagined traveling beyond the stars? Maybe there is a starfighter left. I love you, Alex Rogan. Comes the unforgettable story of one who made it. <laughs> the last starfighter. Six minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11. And this is the month of June? Yes? It's still June? Yes, but it's almost over. All right, so it's June until when? Next something or other? What is up with your headphones? Well, these are dollar headphones. I heard that. Hold on. What? Richie is... Uh, is your microphone even on? It is. Oh, okay. All right, I'm sorry. There's something, there's something amiss. Is it your headphones? There we go. Okay, there, there we, we go. go. All right, okay. Well, I took these little dollar heads. Usually I take these to the airport with me because if I lose them or if they confiscate them, it's no big deal. Right. So these are my emergency ones because my other headphones broke yesterday and I heard that Richie is super gluing them back together, which would be great if it worked. And on the same day, my Sonicare broke. <laughs> it, it no longer holds the charge. All this before so, I'm about to leave to go away for a couple of days next week. So you're going to have When I need headphones. every penny. No. <laughs> And of course, it always has, and it has to happen to the Sonicare, which costs like nine hundred dollars yeah, to fix. Yeah, the prices have not gone down. I'm no. just online. No, I mean the Sonicare. You could always find one used on eBay, Tim. Oh, that's Look, good. Ooh. Um, you know, I've had that Sonicare since back in our Fisher day. You know, the Sonicare is one of the greatest devices ever. It really is. That's a thing that'll just get your teeth uh, whiter than white. So, um, my Sonicare actually, I lost uh, part of the, uh, I lost part of the, the, like the charging head to my Sonicare, and so I got to get it. And I don't think they just sell that, so I got to get the whole thing replaced at some point. And then here's the thing about using the Sonicare toothbrush: what really sucks about it is when you use the Sonicare, and then something goes wrong, and you have to go back to using a manual toothbrush like a commoner. I know I had to do that last night. I almost got home. It, it took me a long time, <laughs> and it seems like really hard work. Like if you've had a Sonicare. Uh, the Sonicare is, just, you know, it's an electric toothbrush, but I mean, it's not—it's not like your grandfather's electric. It's not like that thing. It's not like that Crest electric toothbrush or whatever they sell at the store that's like six dollars. I mean, push is more black in your gums. <laughs> you, do, millions of dollars <laughs> you do get the like you'll see those you'll see those electric toothbrushes at Fred Meyer in the toothpaste aisle, 
And it's always something that costs like $12, and it's just got the two rotating heads on it or whatever. Yep. And you get the feeling that all it does, as you said, is just swirls gingivitis around in your mouth. That's all. It, it just takes it just takes uh, it just takes plaque from along your gum line and just make sure that it's evenly distributed among all your teeth. Oh, um, and by the way, Monday I'm going back to the dentist after the computer, which means by the time I get to work, fantastic, no longer able to speak. That's great. I have an 8 a.m. appointment. They always give me extra. Wonderful. All right. Great. I'm a frequent flyer. You know those, just a final observation, you know those toothbrushes, those like $12 electric toothbrushes, you know what those are? Those are, those are the sort of dental equivalent of that car wash that's always on the block near your house that runs on quarters where for like $1.50 they claim that you get a professional wash for your car. And really all it is just moves the grime around from your windshield, you know, to like your back panel. So, all right. The Sonicare is great, but I remember when Sonicare first broke, and then I had to go back to using a regular toothbrush, and it just seemed like such difficult work. I was sitting there, and I was thinking, if I have to move my hand back and forth to brush my teeth, what kind of world is this? All right. Anyway, so Richie is gluing your headphones back together? Yes, and, and Richie's known to accomplish miracles in here. I don't think it could be done, but we'll find out. Well, you know what? Matt Green is back there, too, and he's got, like, one of those hot glue gun things. Uh, you know, he's got all kinds. He's got a, rows and rows full of miraculous engineering devices with which oh, you yeah. could probably fix Aren't your headphones. Are they gluing a new studio together? I think they are. Because, you know, if your headphones, when you lose your headphones or your headphones break or they're damaged or something, it just throws your whole world into a tizzy if you're on the radio. As it is now. I mean, that's the, so these are your, so these are airplane headphones you're speaking with right now? Yes. Okay. Doesn't matter what happens. They might leave it behind. They can be confiscated. <laughs> they're disposable. They cost a dollar. <laughs> and only one side works. They're, they're dispensable headphones. Uh, all right. Well, in any event, why? Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you'd like to uh, join us today with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, two cents, uh, ruminations, musings, limericks, whatever you might have. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. Here's the other thing about headphones. When you finally give in to the inevitable and you have to go buy a new pair of headphones at Fry's, that's when you sort of... Because theoretically, you only have to buy a new pair of headphones every couple of years. I mean, if you treat them correctly, and then you forget exactly how expensive they are, and you pick up the box of headphones, and they're like $104. So Plus, now it costs like $500 just to drive the fries and back. I mean, it's, it, 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 the greatest day of my life is when they get when they get a fries electronics somewhere here in Portland. That's I mean, it, it doesn't really make any sense that it's all the way out there in Wilsonville. You think that they could be, I mean, at least even on 82nd or something. Yeah. It, I don't really understand... We've such a, we just have such a nerdy, technologically savvy city here. Why the fries has got to be all the way out in freaking Wilsonville? I mean, it's almost like I'm being punished for something every time I have to drive out there. All right, and then when you buy headphones, final thought, really. Here's the other thing, and I and I don't and I think unless you are, and I mean, if you're like a club DJ or something, maybe you have to really worry about headphones. Or if you're a guy who does like really serious, like home audio production or podcasting or something. I mean, I think the average person is use whatever the headphones are that, that it comes with the iPod or whatever, those little silicone things. Oh, I have those, too. But when you go to Fry's and you buy headphones, you really only have two choices. You can either pay like 100 bucks, and you can get the headphones that I have, and I think Sarah and I have almost the same headphones. They theoretically are going to last you for several years, or you can do what I did for the longest time in the sort of early days of my radio career, which is where you spend $19 on a pair of cost TD60 headphones that break after a month and a half. 
Do they still make cars? They, I don't they used think... to have big DJ deals. <laughs> they might, but I mean, but you use those for a while and you realize that they're just terrible for your hearing because it's just nothing but high end. And so it's just, it's just, it's the loud amounts of shrill music being channeled right into your brain where it's destroying all of your cilia. So. That is good. Maybe I'll go out and get my uh, my earbuds and try them. They probably sound better than these. Well, you know, you could do that thing that, uh, what is that thing that Dr. Laura uses where it looks like a stethoscope? You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen those headphones that Dr. Laura uses? Oh, yeah, from the 70s. Are they, is that I what mean, those are? those, too. That's it, exactly. And I don't know what the motivation for those is. Like, I guess it's if you're going to wear a hat or something. Because I suppose so, but those those were common in the early seventies. They look. I don't think I've ever used those. They look. You know what they look like? They look like. They look like yeah. If you yeah, the stethoscope things that the doctor puts in his ear, and I think they're also sort of like. Do you remember back in the seventies? You would have a television, and the television would have a little eighth-inch out speaker on the side or a jack on the side, and it would go to a long, skinny white wire. And it would just be like one earplug that would just go into like one of your ears. And that's how you were expected to watch television. It really is amazing to think about how far we've come with entertainment technology just in the last 15 years. I remember sitting there in my bedroom on a tiny black and white television with like this weird earplug thing trailing out of the side of the TV, jammed into my ear so I could watch Jason Bateman and It's Your Move late at night on, on NBC. Anyway, and then it would just get all wax and you'd have to throw it away. There's no way to clean it out. All right, well, whatever. Okay. Clean the ears beforehand. <laughs> That's crazy talk, Tim. Why clean my ears when I can let the, when I can let the television earplug do it for me? <laughs> that really never occurred to me until just this moment that I could have just cleaned my ears beforehand. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, okay, really, honestly, my last observation about headphones will be this, since we haven't even started the program. Here's something there is no longer any need for. They no longer need to sell those so-called earbuds that you jam into your ears that are made of hard plastic and that always just hurt like a mother effer. Well, you get used to them after a while. I wear them every day. And I've been seeing there's no... Because uh, they now make those silicone uh, earbuds. Sony makes those, and I think the iPod actually even comes with those, too. The silicone ones, that really is... I mean, once you use one of those, you can never go back. You can never trade back down to any other form of in-ear listening device. Because otherwise, you just have to use those those ones that are just a little the round, hard plastic. Yeah. It just feels like somebody's jamming a brick into the side of your head. They do stretch out your ear canal after a while, though, so they do fit. Do they really? Yeah. <laughs> sort of sort of like, so you'll be sort of like one of those kids on the bus that has like a big, one of those things that's the size of a quarter jammed into his earlobe, uh-huh. except it's just inside your actual ear. Yeah. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Why, hello. It is Thursday. Welcome to Day 12. Uh, if you would like to uh, email us today, you could do that. It's uh, rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. Here's something for you all to ponder while we're doing the rest of the show opening. Why is it that we always say that Sarah Jessica Parker looks like a horse? When do we all decide that a horse was the animal that she most closely resembles? She does. She does. But I mean, see, she's pretty. Why is that, though? Why a horse? Well, if you go to SarahJessicaParkerLooksLikeAHorse.com, there are many examples of why she looks like a horse. Because I think I was just watching something. I was Anthony Bourdain. I was watching Anthony Bourdain last night, and he was in Iceland. And at one point, he's, I don't know, I have him riding a horse to get somewhere. And so he rides the horse to, you know, the restaurant or whatever it is. And he gets off, and he's sort of petting the horse's nose. And then, of course, what does he do? You give it like a five count, and then he makes a Sarah Jessica Parker looks like a horse joke. Not so much like an anteater. Not an armadillo. Not an aardvark, not an emu, not a llama. She looks like a horse. 
So at some point, there was a cultural vote taken about what animal Sarah Jessica Parker most closely resembles. And we all, I mean, there was no, and the weird thing about it is it was a cultural consensus reached with no real discussion. I don't remember reading any newspaper articles about it. There were no talk shows ruminating about what animal she most closely resembles. One day, she didn't resemble anything. Next day, a horse. Doesn't it make you kind of wonder what animal you most closely resemble? No. All right. I have not. Speaking no. I don't want to think about that. This is just one of those days where I'm speaking into a void, into a vacuum. I can just tell. It's 503-733-2970. We will talk to... I don't even know who we're talking to. Are we talking to Steve Kastenbaum? I don't know. We're talking to Amanda no, Moyer? No, we're talking to... Talking to Bob Costantini. Well, at 11:35. He does have that. Uh, he does have that Supreme Court decision to be talking about. They have. They scheduled Steve. Why would you do this if you're seeing that? They scheduled Steve Kastenbaum talking about a Sopranos auction, and then they make sure that he's actually not available to talk to me. You schedule Amanda Moyer talking about this story that we had a while back about blind people being run down by hybrids because they don't make any noise, and then you make sure that she's actually not available Where to talk to me. Where is Amanda Moyer? Uh, Amanda Moyer is at the CNN Center in Atlanta. She's there. She's at the, the CNN Center. So it's only like one o'clock there. Yeah. And She's already gone for the day? Well, and not only that, but she's actually there at the nerve center. She's there where the whole thing happens, and yet unavailable to speak to us. So we will be talking to Bob Costantini, though, so we have that to look forward to. Uh, let's see. Because of the Supreme Court gun decision today, we will do the top five gun songs uh, later on. We'll do the top five uh, gun songs. Dorothy like Costa, Sarah. Like gun shops in them? No, uh, songs with guns in the title or that are about guns somehow. Are there songs with gunshots in them? Oh, yeah. There's a fantastic MIA song. Yeah, I got nothing. Um, Gunshots in it. No, this will be uh, top five songs about guns. Oh, and there's that Eminem song, too. Uh, so Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer will join us today as well. So she's covering, you know, she was last week alluding to, I didn't really know what she was talking about. She was talking about some story in the Hamptons uh, that she was going to be discussing. And apparently it's the Christie Brinkley divorce, which I guess is a big deal on the East Coast. I mean, I don't really, I really don't give a rodent's rump about Christie Brinkley's divorce hearing, but apparently it's a big deal on the East Coast. So uh, she's talking about that. Uh, let's see. Uh, we didn't get to this yesterday, but we will tie Mr. Skin's vacation and High Concept Thursday together uh, later on today when you will fill in for Mr. Skin. Uh, we will do goth or not today. I think we have two final pair of Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets to get to. That's coming up later on today. Earth, Wind, and Fire going to be at the Amphitheater at Clark County. Uh, so we will do that later on. Uh, we'll have the... Oh, and I finally replaced our Glorious Bastard of the Week music and long freaking last. Uh, so today we will do the Glorious Bastard of the Week. Uh, if that is you, you will win a three-disc DVD set of Nature Boy Ric Flair uh, from the WWE. So that's all on the way. Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification. Well, I did get to the bottom of that story about that consultant who uh, was playing an air check of you, setting you as an example to aspiring radio personality. Apparently there was some sort of a... Uh, really? It was the Ed McMahon routine that you did. Was I'm it the one where you were claiming repeatedly that Ed McMahon's wife broke his neck, Tim? I don't know if that was the one particularly. <laughs> but but I'd were... like to make sure that that's circulated throughout C CBS. But it was... Uh, the, the topic was finding your inner personality from what I'm told. And you have found yours. And you were also called a soapboxer. A soapboxer? What does that mean? Someone who gets up on a soapbox. Soapboxer. Oh, damn it. I barely knew her. I don't even know what that... Is that does that mean that I... I guess that's in consultant terms. I guess it's good if, if they played an air check of you. But we weren't even there. Isn't it a little weird to you that it was like a, it was a meeting we weren't even at? And they were... It's because we don't have consultants on this program. I suppose. For, for, for good and bad, they just, they just leave us alone. They just leave us alone to do whatever. You know what we are? The, we are sort of like, I, I do believe that this show is sort of like um, 
sort of like Seinfeld maybe in its early years, where it was just sort of around for, I mean, and eventually became a world-dominating force, but eventually was, you know, that eventually became huge, but I think in the early years, Seinfeld was just there because they forgot it was on the schedule, and so they just left it alone. They just left Jerry Seinfeld alone to do whatever he wanted. All right, well, I, yeah, there was some, it was some sort of a talent meeting or some sort of, they do these things in radio called, have you ever had to go to a morning show boot camp? No. They do these My morning shows never lasted long enough to be in. <laughs> As you were online buying the ticket, you were canceled. <laughs> As you were packing your bag for the morning show boot camp, they were firing you. Well, uh, well the thing is, you know, most places I've worked, except for this one, and I give CBS a lot of credit, they do promote us a lot. But most stations I worked at, you know when they give out the one sheet? Yeah. I was never included in a picture or anything on most stations because I was the person that they hired until they found the person they really wanted. You were Mr. So right now. Should, yeah. Yeah. So my segment was just never on there. <laughs> so I was never sent anywhere because no one ever knew I existed. I uh, I remember when I was first doing uh, when I was doing my very, very first talk show, which was now, what year is this, 2008? So yeah. 15 years ago? Jesus. In 93? 94, so 14 years ago. God damn. Just wasted years. Just wasted years of my life down the drain talking about coffee and Bon Jovi records. Um, but I remember when I was doing my very first uh, talk show, the sales department. I mean, it was like it was like it was like the show. It was like the station didn't even exist after seven o'clock. I did a nighttime show, uh -huh. and it was like after seven p.m. the station went off the air. I mean, if you were to look at the sales materials, it's like it was it was it was as though the station just turned the signal off from seven uh, p.m. until six a.m. And so I would actually come into the office late at night, and I would sit there, and I would use uh, the one Macintosh computer that was in the building and the Xerox machine, and I would pathetically, create my own sales materials. I would sit there and I would create my own one-sheets, writing my own copy, putting together uh, my own promotional materials, which I would then give to the salespeople, and which I would then later in the day just sort of see in the recycle bin. I don't, except I don't even think it was a recycle bin at that point. I think it was just a trash pile. So, I'd, here, I made some promotional materials so you can go out and sell my show. It's really... And then I would come back later, and it was like someone had just used it to sop up, like, spilled coffee on their desk. So, all right. Well, in any no, way. but I'm grateful. This is the first show ever in my career that I've ever been mentioned working on. Anywhere. <laughs> After like 30 years. I haven't existed <laughs> at all. Anywhere. So you, you were always like the end, the rest at the end of the yes. first season Gilligan's Island credits. Which I'm used to. That's yeah. fine. No, that's fine. So, uh, some of the stories we're following today. There's a big freight train derailment on the east side closing the on-ramps to the I-84 and the I-205. I saw that train when I was riding my bike big in this train. morning. yeah. It was tooting away. A mm -hmm. uh, 16-year-old Portland boy, once praised as a hero, will now do 10 years for shooting teenagers. There are fresh Mormon molestation claims made by former local Cub Scouts. And you probably saw this uh, online, if not on the television everywhere. Tim McGraw calls this fat, drunken redneck out of the audience during his concert at Auburn, Washington. Yeah. It has him hauled away. A uh, 12-year-old New Jersey girl is stabbed over a MySpace spat. Sleeping pilots overshot an airport by 359 miles. And a new poll shows more Americans than ever are all in favor of torture. Well, okay. So, there you go. Torture. I barely knew her. Uh, all right. Sarah Dillon joining us today is always resplendent in a Beverly Hills 90210 t-shirt. <laughs> it is true. Boy, could that be more 90s. I know. I was so excited when I found this. So, I like, like pastel and fluorescent. Oh, it's terrible. Excellent. And their little peach faces. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one of those shirts that I don't think they do this anymore, but this is a thing that they used to do with the concert shirts, too, where it wasn't... It wasn't a drawing of the band, and it wasn't a photo of the band. It was like a photo that had been turned into a cartoon. Mm -hmm. It was like a photo that had been rendered on the shirt in Technicolor somehow. So, all right. Hey, at some point, 
uh, not tomorrow, because I think Aaron's bringing in the top five tomorrow, but maybe next week, you got to do your top five fashion trends from the 90s. Oh, yeah. Like, And when I say top, I don't mean necessarily best. Like, the top five... The, the top five most representative fashion trends from the 90s. Which will probably be back in style within the next like few months because so you know, like, we're cycling through the 80s pretty fast here. Like if you had to do production design for a film that took place in 1994, 1995, I don't even know what it would be. Oh, yeah. Be like, these are the top five things that say to, your, say to somebody like, hey, this is the 90s. Like, for example, I, could, I can see, like, black patent leather shoes with the silver buckle on the side. Is that true? Oh, yeah. All right. Excellent. So All you right. should work on that at some point. But I, I got to see Heather yesterday. Oh, yeah. That's right. Your sister was in town she and was your mom. She was in town for five glorious hours, my sister and my mom. And how are they? They are doing very well. Did they? Uh, now, were they in range when we were playing all of the... Uh, yeah. I'm going to tape my knob down and just see if I inadvertently touch it. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. They heard that. We were a yeah. lesbian couple. Anywho, so and my mom was like, "Oh, that Rick Emerson." Oh, he's such a rap scallion. <laughs> uh, yeah, that okay. was awesome. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, then I got home. My my sister thought it was hilarious, and my mom was just not really talking to me uh, about it. <laughs> does your mom just turn a blind eye? Does your yeah. mom? Does she just sort of? Is this, is this sort of a, uh, where, where she kind of knows in the sort of vague sense that you're on the radio, but she just doesn't want to know about the specifics? Exactly. And if she hears them, she doesn't want to... Doesn't which want which to is why I was them. so eternally grateful that you found all those sound bites. Yeah, I'm glad I could help. Uh, How right. are you doing? I'm okay. It's, uh, I just I didn't really do a whole lot last night. I went home and I sort of uh, laid on the sofa. That was about it. And then tonight, I was going to go see... Uh, if you are out and about tonight and looking for music, you really ought to go to Duff's Garage, which is on 7th between Market and Clay. Uh, not a bad place at all. And you ought to go see a band called Bubba Speed, who are going to be playing tonight. Um, uh, they are on at 8.45. So I guess the show's there on weeknights kind of early. But uh, Bubba Speed, uh, featuring our good friend Jesse Cunningham, uh, they're a fantastic band, kind of a southern rock sort of a thing. So uh, myspace.com slash Bubba Speed, and they're at Duff's Garage tonight at 8.45. I will not be there because I'll be in Troutdale seeing Death Cab for Cutie. Let's all hear it for me. Hooray. <laughs> All the way to Trotter? Dude. Trotter. Oh, is that the one at the Edgefield? It's the Edgefield. I mean, I'm sure it's a nice oh, venue. And... Oh, you'll like... Have you been there before? No. You'll like it. Well, I was going to say it seems like a quaint European like town, but... I'll just, you know... It'll be, it'll be like a close to traveling. It, it's like an old folks home. I'll Isn't just... that one of those shows where she, Lara should like, take one of her friends? That's what I said, but that wasn't... I mean, to be... Fa- well, here... Yeah, I don't even know if we have time to talk we have about it. Minutes. All right. Well, it's just because... So... It, it... How do I put this? And it, it's so hard to say this without sounding like I'm being jerky about it. I, it's not that I dislike Death Cab for Cutie. It's just not my deal. It's just it's not my... It's just it's a little too... I, I don't want to say happy even. I, there's you something... Know I don't know what it is. There's something about them. I totally feel you. I mean, it's... I'm, it, I like the Postal Service a lot better the than Postal I Postal like Service is good, which is sort of his, like, electric... And, you know, Death Cab for to be fair, Death Cab for Cutie has some singles that I like. There's that song, Into the Dark, I like quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, and you know Ben Gibbard's a talented guy and you know and this all sounds like I'm this all sounds like I'm trying to type, trying to knock them though like I'm trying to somehow snarkily imply that they're bad and they're really not. It just doesn't. It's just bland. It's just sort of. It's just sort of uninteresting to me. That's my deal with. And I know that everybody loves them and they're they're you know then they're on the cover of everything and I know that the, the, the music critics just gush over them and you know whatever and that's all fine. But they're just. It's just not music that, that appeals to me. I find it kind of bland. And I know you're not supposed to say that because they're... It's kind they're, of like me with, like, like those kind of men, like that or the shins. Yeah. Like, any I, of that stuff. And that's so right because I was trying to describe it to someone, like, it's too happy. I'm like, no, it's not happy. It's just too, just... 
just there. And that, it doesn't make any impact it just, on me. It just seems... It, it, see, you know, I almost don't want to even say this because I'm going to sound like a guy who's just trying to, trying to piss people off. But the thing about Death Cab for Cutie is it's just soft rock. That's what it is. It's just rock for people who don't really want to rock. And I just and it's it's and I think that's what it is. It's a middle it's a middle of the road kind of music. Uh, and I can say this because my wife's at work and not listening. And she's a, she's a fanatic. She's a huge. I mean, she's just a freak for everything that guy does. Uh, Death Cab and Postal Service and all of his side projects, which is great. And I, you know what? I don't begrudge anybody their love of music. Mm-hmm. Music is here to be listened to and loved and enjoyed and all that kind of stuff. But to me, it's just like this annoying middle ground music that doesn't really rock. But it's not. Really, but it's not jazzy. Yeah, but it's not like country. But it's not poppy. But it, it's just nothing. It's just a big. It's just a big bowl of unflavored cream of wheat. That's what Death Cab for Cutie is to me. So that being said, my wife very rarely makes me go to something that I'm not a fan of. Typically, you know, you know, she will always kind of find like some friend of hers who's into who's into the band, and then you know, like she went to see um, Band of Horses again. Band of Horses. Fine, nothing wrong with them. I'm, you know, they seem to be, you know, they seem to be popular with people. Whatever, not my deal. So she took somebody else. Uh, Grand Archives, Fleet Foxes, all that stuff. I mean, you know, great music. I'm sure, not my scene. So she takes somebody else. But tonight, of course, it is a double date. So she's going with a friend of hers. I didn't say who it was. Okay. You said that. I didn't say that. It is with a friend of hers who is taking like her new boy toy. And so Lara pointed out, I think with some justification, that it can't be like girlfriend and her date and Lara and like some dude from work. Yeah. Like, you know, it's got to be me. Like if her friend is taking a date, like I kind of have to go otherwise or otherwise it makes Lara look like some weird old maid. Uh, so I kind of have to be there. So again, I'm not trying to complain about it. There are worse things in the world than to go, you know, go to a show and, you know, whatever. I just, uh, I'm not tremendous, just not tremendously excited about it and I cannot pretend to be tremendously excited about it. Um... Anyway, and really, well, and that's so too, because those required things always happen on the day when there's a show that you all really want to see. Exactly. So some parallel universe me, I urge you now to go see Bubba Speed tonight at Death's Garage at 8:45. Enjoy it. Maybe I'll go for see me. It. It's good. I mean, it's if you kind of if you like sort of southern rock. I mean, I'm going to see the Super Suckers on Saturday. If, okay, you know what? Jesse is a Super Suckers fanatic, okay. and this band is modeled a lot on the Super Suckers. Cool. Uh, I'll play a little cut of theirs later on. I'll play a little uh, a little piece of their music. So, um, yeah, no, he's a Super Suckers. Yeah. All right. Well, freak. Done so, and done. All right. Well, there you go. I didn't mean to be convention about Death Cab for Cutie just now. It just sort of happened. And, you know, regardless, I mean, even if they are kind of bland, they they have a huge, you know, footprint on the music scene for this time. So, I mean, someday you'll look back and be like, hey, I, I saw them in their prime. That's, I guess. But, you know, here's my other thing with Death Cab for Cutie, and then we do at the break, uh, is that just my other thing about them is, is I think, in a way, I sort of dislike them more than I should because I feel like everything sounds like Death Cab for Cutie now. I mean, every time you turn on KNRK, three quarters of the band you're going to hear all sound like Death Cab for Cutie. And that's not Ben Gibbard's fault. That's just uh, that's the way the record industry works. Something comes out and it's successful, suddenly everything sounds like that. And so I feel like that Death Cab for Cutie sound is something that you can't quite escape. That sort of everywhere you turn, there it is. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. And so then tonight, there I will be too. Hooray for me. Let's take a break. We'll come back after this with uh, Bob Costantini uh, later on. In fact, this hour, we'll give away a pair of Earth, Wind & Fire tickets with Goth or Not. Tim Riley's new news hour coming up later on. Top five gun songs. And Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. Stay there. It's 
the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, Tim Riley will be here from the Ministry of Truth. Uh, we'll also have the top five gun songs of all time. Uh, goth or not, you will fill in for the vacationing Mr. Skin. Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. And uh, we'll announce the glorious bastard uh, of the week. Your phone calls here in a moment as well. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Hill, let's welcome now... CNN Radio Correspondent, Bob Costantini. Hi there, Rick. Hello, Bob Costantini. How are you? Uh, fine. Speaking of uh, gun songs, uh, Ted Nugent has reacted favorably to this ruling, by the way. Oh, the Supreme Court ruling? Of the course Supreme he has. Court ruling, Do you yeah. get the feeling that Ted Nugent just sits there uh, in some sort of weird satellite master control room in his fortified bunker just waiting to address the world at large? I don't know. That, that I can't tell you, really. I mean, I get the uh, feeling if you were to walk through the Nugent uh, household at, at Chez Nuge, wherever that might be, because he's one of those guys, does he live in Montana or something? I mean, he would almost have to, right? I, I, I don't know, to tell you the truth, because I'm not a big Ted Nugent fan, but I did I do know that uh, he reacted uh, uh, through a phone interview. I get the idea that if you were to walk into Ted Nugent's house, first of all, that his front yard is probably covered with trip wires and landmines, and then just any number of sort of Rottweilers and, like, machine gun bunkers. And then as you get closer to his house, you probably have to jump over a moat that's filled with some kind of ravenous alligator-like creature. And then when you get into his actual home, there's probably one room that's just nothing but guns. I picture one room that's nothing but chainsaws. I picture one room where there's nothing but deer carcasses being hosed down. And then the next room is just some sort of Ted Nugent master world address room where he can press one button and speak to the entire population of the Earth as a whole. Okay. <laughs> I'm beginning to wonder why I brought that up. No, I'm just I'm just saying that's how I picture life at Ted Nugent's house. Yes. Uh, all right. So well, let's talk about the, about the Supreme Court thing then. So this sure. is so so let me understand this. So there was a time, and by a time I mean like yesterday, when you couldn't own handguns in Washington D.C. Correct? You could not keep them in your home. Um, that is what this law is. Uh, this this was an absolute prohibition against handguns inside the home unless you had a special a reason to fear for your safety. And that's, in effect, what the court has struck down in this five-to-four ruling, saying that, um, you know, such a broad, overarching ban on any type of weapon, perhaps, uh, but uh, basically this was a handgun uh, matter, uh, this overarching ban just isn't constitutional. Um, it does, of course, keep intact other prohibitions, such as people who are, might be felons or the mentally ill, something along those lines. Um, it, it specifically dealt with this law, and this was targeted, of course, by um, gun rights advocates, because it was a very broad ban. It just said you simply you cannot have a handgun inside your home. Well, what is it? Well, that's a weird question. Does that mean you could have one inside your car? Uh, I, I don't believe that that is allowed here in the District of Columbia. You'd have to have a permit. So when they uh, said this, so this was this was um, you know as in many places you'd have to have a permit um, to carry a handgun or to have it uh, with you away from the home. This was a ban on uh, possessing one inside your house. So that's sort of an interesting way to get around the Second Amendment. The, the idea that the gun itself wasn't illegal, you just didn't, you couldn't. You weren't allowed to have it in your residence, which is a little bit like uh, the government, a little bit like the government saying, uh, you know, that uh, that like like marijuana possession itself isn't illegal as long as you have the right tax stamp. They just refuse to give you the tax stamp. So yes, um, and, but gun crime in the district here is is pretty rampant. Um, well, that was going to be my next question. Isn't, isn't living in Washington D.C. enough just to say that you are in fear of your life always? 
Well, of course, this is what the lead plaintiff in the uh, case uh, said, that he had a right to protect his house. Um, and um, he is a fellow who was a, a, a guard, I believe, um, saying that, you know, he had a right to possess a, a firearm inside his house without the uh, government interfering in this, and that that was a Second Amendment right. Uh, the fact that the court was uh, so closely split, five to four, shows that this issue obviously is um, uh, very difficult to try to discern and probably going to be maybe, you know, some sort of uh, small presidential campaign issue because, of course, the next president may appoint a Supreme Court justice or two. Um, this uh, this is the first time the court has ruled on such a prohibition since 1939. So does this affect anybody, that is a dumb question, does this affect anybody who doesn't live in Washington, D.C.? Um, this could very well affect other cities, and by and large you would expect this is a metropolitan area thing, that have uh, certain broad bans on a gun possession, uh, and particularly this, this case is outside the home. And the mayor here in the district has already implemented a, uh, a rule or implemented guidelines for people to register their firearms inside their homes um, within the next uh, few weeks that they'll be able to do that. It will be interesting, though. They will now spring up, of course, a whole, I mean, in addition to the industry that will spring up around the selling of the guns themselves, there will now, of course, be any number of people who achieve tenure at their universities by creating some sort of a master's thesis about whether or not crime actually is affected by this at all, uh, you know, yeah. or whether it just or because the idea. I mean, here's my thing: when I think about Washington D.C., maybe this is just a false media representation, uh, representation not unlike that of Baltimore. When I think about Washington D.C., I sort of always picture myself in a plane flying over D.C. and looking down and just hearing shrieks and gunfire as the. <laughs> Well, and just seeing a bunch of small, uh, just a small bunch of small blazes burning all over the city. Well, I, I looked up this uh, little paragraph uh, in some of the CNN wire copy here. It says the district, district of Columbia reported 143 gun-related murders last year. Okay, in 1976, when the ban was enacted, the medical examiner said there were 135 homicides uh, that were firearm-related. So actually, there was a, a minor increase. Uh, there are eight more homicides last year versus the year uh, when the handgun ban was enacted, and the city has lost about 50,000 people in the population uh, department. This whole thing makes my head hurt. Hey, uh, as we wrap this up, Bob, am I to understand correctly that you are a fan of the band Death Cab for Cutie? Uh, yes, I am. All right, so you'll be happy to... <laughs> Lisa told you all that. You will be happy to know, Bob, I'm peering into your soul over the telephone. I can see into your heart. Yes, uh, so you'll be happy to know that I will be seeing that band tonight. Oh, great. I will be... They were, um, they were here locally uh, a few weeks ago. They were playing actually outside in an outside venue, and it was about 100 degrees. <laughs> what would you... I, heard, I heard the crowd was rather subdued. What would you say your favorite Death Cab for Cutie recording is, Bob Costantini? Uh, Soul Meets Body at right. this point, but they have a new album out, and I'm still digesting it. All right, my friend. As always, a pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your day, sir. My pleasure, too. Thank you. Bob Costantini, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. Excellent. You just never know with that guy. You know, it's 78 degrees again in here. All right. Are you hot? I'm kind of cold. Well, I'll, I can put on my sweatshirt. All right. Well, let me know if it gets to be. I can turn it back up. I just. Uh, I think I'm wearing. I'm oh, I didn't. Wearing, yeah, I didn't touch it. And I'm wearing layers today because, of course, because isn't it cold outside? It was all miserable and dreary when I went to Plaid Pantry at like ten. I rode my bike to work. 
Yeah, whatever. I can't. I have well, to go. I feel like a pig because I ate at the Italian joint yesterday. Oh my god! Yeah. It was the greatest food ever. I had the spicy angel hair pasta, and with sausage, and then I had a bunch of bread. Of course, did they? And they did the thing with the olive and the uh, olive oil and the balsamic oh, vinegar the with al- the bread. Yeah, and so I ate like yeah. half a loaf of bread by of myself. Yeah. And my sister and I, you know, split a. a Giant carafe of wine. You no know, man, bread really is one of my kryptonites too. But I can't. Like, I don't understand how people can't do it. Oh. Like, can go without eating it. We went to uh, we went to an Italian place on Clinton Street uh, last weekend, and it was the same thing. It's like the, and it's like the, the one on Twenty Eighth. Yeah, it's right there, right there. Or Twenty Sixth. Right across the street from NoHo's. Yeah. Uh, and a great place. But, uh, not a plug. But it's called Sub Rosa. It's a great place. And but it's like the big crusty bread. That they bring out, it's not like you know, it's not like the white bread. It's like really crusty and hard around the edges. But then it's like they bring you the they bring you the dipping thing of like the balsamic vinegar and the oil. And then you just sit there and you go, I'll have some, like I'll have some, I'll have the uh, tortellini and also. And meanwhile, you're just sitting there eating you know a pound and a half of Italian bread beforehand. Mm-hmm. Anyway, now I have to drive to Troutdale, so there's just no no biking. Oh, sorry. My mom's just figured out how to text message. Oh, how how nice for you. <laughs> have fun with that. Me pictures. All right. Hey. I did teach her how to use her phone yesterday. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Sarah Madden is the case, maybe. Hello. 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 Hey, um, I was looking at your MySpace last night, and I noticed that um, on your you know, musical likes, uh, DJ Shadow was on there. Yes, sir. He's actually going to be here uh, July 25th with... Uh, with Cut Chemist. Yes, are you going to that? I am. In fact, I meant to buy tickets to that this morning, and I didn't get a chance. I'm to buy tickets to that this afternoon, yeah. Have you read the background about that concert? No, uh, my friend uh, Jeff McGinley, who used to be an engineer here and now works uh, over at Intercom, uh, he and I kind of bonded early on when we met about, about DJ Shadow and Cut Chemist and whatever. And I know that it's, what's the hard sell tour? Is that what it's called? Yeah, uh, I guess what it is is like they're using like 10 turntables, uh, two loop pedals, and the show is basically comprised entirely of old uh, 45s. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. I have somewhere at home, I have this, uh, I have a set at home, like a bootleg DVD of, it wasn't Shadow, it was um, it was Z Trip uh, doing an all 45 set. Uh, Z Trip's awesome. Yeah, I saw them, uh, I, he, I saw him for the first time live on the Scratch tour when he came to, it was like him and the, uh, the Executioners and like, uh, Qbert and all those guys. Anyway, yeah, so I've never, I've never seen Shadow live though. Uh, and I've, I've missed him a bunch of times. I missed RJD too when he came to town. So I am, yeah, I am all over that as they say. Yeah, it's going to be good. All right. Thank you, my friend. Yep. All right. I yeah, I was just looking at your MySpace page after you mentioned that, and Joni has a good point. She left you a comment. She's like, the Sarah Jessica Parker thing comes from Ed Wood when they're reading the newspaper review, and she goes, this, you know, I have, I don't have a face like a horse. I forgot all about that. Yeah. So at the beginning, she says, do I really have a face that looks like a horse? Oh. Uh, see, now that makes me feel bad. <laughs> and the thing is, here's the thing about Sarah Jessica Parker is I just, I make fun of her all the time because I guess it's just what you do. You're just supposed to. But then, I, but then I'll see her in Ed Wood, and she just is so charming. She's just so Seriously. wonderful. And if she's that. willing to address it like that, yeah. I mean, that takes some balls. I wonder if I wonder if that was if in if other it words, came from if else. it came from that, like, is it in Ed Wood because somebody had already made the joke, or do we make the joke because it was in Ed Wood? Like, I'm sure was, somebody had made the joke. I wonder if the, at the time that was already like a sort of a meta thing, like a play on. You know, a play on a past experience. she's been involved in the industry since she was a kid. Yeah, that's right. She was uh, freaky looking on square pegs, too. Uh, let's, uh, Richie Bristol, can you uh, join us here in the studio? That would be fantastic. Oh, um, so to add to the embarrassment that is my life, so tomorrow we will be having a personal trainer come into the studio who's going to be measuring my fat with a caliper. Hi. Uh, so uh, let's see. This is going to be, um, I'll read the, uh, I lost the article here. Um, wait, hold on. 
Where the hell did I put it? Oh, anyway, I'll read. I'll read. I'll read the detail later on. Uh, but we've got um, uh, we've got Chris and uh, Adrian, uh, who are a. Uh, I think they're a couple. I, I hope uh, maybe they are. Maybe they're not. I think that they are a couple. But they do personal training, and so they're actually going to come in here tomorrow, and they're going to do that whole thing where they take like one of those prod caliper fat things. Is that when they pinch your skin or it something? It is. It's when they it's when they put it oh, on you like I don't want to do that. It's, I don't think they it's not like your ass or whatever. I think it's like your arm or something and then they pinch your arm fat or whatever to determine exactly how much of you and we're going to contrast it against what the scale's been telling me. And uh, but the, here's the good thing is Aaron's going to be here tomorrow too. Uh, so I'm going to make them do Aaron as well. Uh-huh. Uh, so that Aaron be... doesn't know that because his radio ran out of batteries. Today. Uh, in your face, Aaron. So <laughs> he doesn't know this, but when he gets when he comes in tomorrow, he, Aaron's going to have his fat prodded by a personal trainer. <laughs> All right. Hello, Richie Bristol. Hello. All right. So what are we? we how many pair of Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets have we still to give away? Uh, I don't know. I have to Thanks, Richie. Thanks. Okay. Uh, but I think we have a couple pair probably still. Probably. So here's what we, we got a ton of stuff we're giving away. I mean, it's just it's it's insane. So we have. I think multiple pairs still of tickets to Earth, Wind, and Fire, which we really got to get given away like today or early tomorrow because the show is tomorrow night. Uh, we have these WWE Night of the Champions prize packs we still have to give away, and then we have this three-disc DVD Ric Flair set that we're going to give away to the Glorious Bastard. So here's the deal. So one random caller between now and the end of the uh, program, as solely determined by Richie Bristol, one random caller will win a pair of tickets to see Earth, Wind, and Fire today as well as a Night of the Champions prize pack, and then we will do... We should probably break here, uh, and then we'll come back with Tim. But early on, uh, maybe in the next hour or so, we'll do goth or not for another pair. So can you let me can you double okay. check on that and let me know exactly what we've got still? All right, thank okay. you. All right, let's take a break here. We'll come back. Tim Riley around the corner for the Ministry of Truth. Later on, we'll do the top five, Dorothy Carcassari, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Go nowhere. All right, that's fantastic. We should go hat shopping. <laughs> Solve two problems at once. Well, what are you supposed to say? I mean, when somebody you meet somebody and they've done something drastic to their hair, and you have to lie, right? Oh, I hate it. Like when I get to people like dye their hair different colors or get like a horrible haircut. Yes. And then you're obliged to go. No, no, no. It looks great. No, I think you've really tapped into something there. This is. Uh, I couldn't see it before when you were describing it to me over the phone. I just couldn't really visualize it. But now that I see it in person, I really like it. I think. Uh, I think it adds a certain je ne sais quoi to your, uh, and then it's, you know, but but as you said, in the meantime, you're thinking, God, you should just get into a dark room. (laughs) Anyway, I wasn't talking about anybody in particular. No, nobody specific. Uh, Oh, by the way, I'm also uh, on the, I'm not talking about anybody in particular subject. So, uh, Lara has a friend who is, um, how do I put this? Lara has a friend who engages in some online dating. And I mean, I think we've all had this happen where you are. You're not the person being spoken about. You're sort of on the other end of the equation, and you think to yourself, like, that poor sap doesn't even know how he's described, you know, when he's not around. Uh-huh. I mean, did you ever, I mean, have you ever been in those, those situations where it's like you just sort of, like, you hear someone being spoken about, and, you, and, all, and, and you're sort of laughing because what's being said is funny, but at the same time, you're thinking to yourself, like, thank God I'm not that guy who's mm-hmm. being spoken about when nobody's around. So she went on a date with a guy that she met online, and she, she then described him as looking like, I swear to you. How'd you like to be described as this, as a man? How'd you like to have a woman be telling her girlfriend, yeah, he looks like a fat Gerber baby. So there you go. <laughs> and my question is, why would you even go out with a guy that looked like that in the first place if you were sort of opposed to it? Like, theoretically, online dating, their pictures, aren't you able to look? Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Maybe she thought he matured. Maybe. <sighs> All right. Uh, hey, so, Richie, let's uh, do... Wait, is this a... What am I supposed to be doing with these... Um, 
I don't know why these people. Let's see who this is, and then we'll take uh, we'll take caller five here in a second. We'll do goth or not uh, directly uh, before the uh, the news here. So if you uh, want to play goth or not for a pair of tickets to see Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, we will do that now. Caller number five at five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We will take caller five to play goth or not for a pair of tickets to Earth, Wind, and Fire and the Night of the Champions prize pack in the WWE. Hello, sir, madam, as the case may be. Uh, how can I help you today? Rick, uh, all, I, all I wanted to do was ask Richie what the uh, bumper music is. What's the name of that song that you play with the little girl, little girl in it? I'm sorry? Little girl, little girl? You mean did we, it's going it... to take some time. What's the name oh. of the song? Oh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy World. Yeah, that's a song called The Middle uh, by a band called Jimmy Eat World. Okay, cool. Thank you. All right. Glad I can help. All right. There you go. Oh, there's that. All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Let me just read this uh, before we do goth or not. Then we'll do the news. Uh, coming up later on, Dorothy Carcassari and so forth. Uh, this says, Rick, uh, about my mother-effing mom on a mother-effing plane. Damn you to hell, Rick Emerson. With a subject line like that, you know it's going to be good. And he says, Rick, I just put my mom on a plane this morning. Now, it's not my way to play blood rock before a loved one embarks on a journey. So I refrained. But as I pulled up to the terminal, I began to think of Gustav's restaurant. And I said to my mother... White wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. White wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. When I pulled away, I thought, holy F, what if those are the last words I ever say to my mother? Not only that, what if the plane is going down screaming towards the earth and her imminent flaming demise and my mother's last thoughts are white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel? What have you done to me? God damn you, Rick Emerson. Damn you to hell. All right. Thank you. Uh, and one more before we do goth or not. This is for Tim. Rick? Up until yesterday, I didn't share Tim Riley's wholehearted disdain for public transportation and the mouth-breathing masses that utilize it. However, I now will be purchasing a can of pepper spray and possibly some surgical masks before riding public transportation again. I ride the bus to work, and on my return home yesterday evening, I stepped onto a packed bus headed east on Burnside. There were so many people on the bus, I was forced to stand at the front, clinging like a rhesus monkey to the hand straps and facing the side of the bus. The man I was facing was holding the small trash can that each bus is equipped with and projectile vomiting into it. <laughs> when not vomiting, he just hung his head and dripped ropes of vomit drool into the receptacle. I had to stand pressed against other people while this stellar example of a TriMet patron retched for ten blocks. <laughs> Consistently vomiting the whole way before enough people got off the bus to where I could move down the aisle three feet away from him. The people sitting across and next to him were just staring with the dead eyes of a doll like the whole thing was not happening. The sound and the smell of the vomit on a warm, closed bus held the promise of a stand-by-me-esque domino effect, but I managed to hold back, as did the other people. The man clutched the can and vomited for at least the 32 blocks that I rode, possibly more. I do not understand why the driver let this man on and why the driver let him stay on the bus. The only rationale I can come up with is that occurrences like this are the norm, and the driver was just happy the man was <laughs> was voiding into the trash can instead of all over the bus and other riders. This is the TriMet world in which we live. There you go, Tim Riley. That story is for you. I'm really glad that I have my extra 25 cents to pay for that kind of luxury now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the the bus is even lower than the max, I think. <laughs> oh, totally. I, I mean, when you step aboard the bus, a voice should go up automatically. Welcome aboard, loser. <laughs> Hello, sir, madam, as the case may be. How are you today? 
I'm doing fine, Rick. And Abandon you? hope, all ye who enter here. Uh, are you ready to play goth or not, my friend? I am. All right, here is the deal. Uh, you are playing for a pair of tickets to see Earth, Wind, and Fire this coming Friday at the uh, Amphitheater at Clark County, as well as a uh, Night of the Champions prize pack from WWE. Let me give, like, a fifth try at reading these copy points correctly. Hmm? Uh, don't miss Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, Undertaker, Batista, and your favorite superstars as they battle for honor and championship gold at Night of the Champions this Sunday, the, uh, June 29th, live, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, only on pay-per-view. All right, sir, here's how we play the game. I will read you a gothic poem. You must tell me whether I wrote this myself or whether I found it on some kid's journal online. Are you ready, sir? I am. All right, here we go. This poem is called... Distance. A chalice full of suffering rises to my lips. I drink deeply. Do you see this pain? How I live and where and why? Do you see the path stretched out before, leading only into the darkened oblivion? My mouth is open, the ghosts of a thousand sufferings wishing to escape. Yet none can. They are frozen. They are dead. As are we all. All right, sir, did I write that myself or did I find that online? Or you can punt and have Sarah guess for you. I think you wrote that. Is that your final answer, sir? Yes. God, I'm lame. Yes, I wrote that. <laughs> That's uh, what I guessed, too. <laughs> how did you know? What was the giveaway? I well, just... too many big words like oblivion. I don't think most people <laughs> oblivion. What a sad society that oblivion passes as a really big word. I don't uh, know. I could just, I could totally just tell. You could just see me sitting in a darkened room pounding that and out on the like keyboard. And like ghosts that are frozen in your mouth. <laughs> All right, my friend. You are going to see Earth, Wind, and Fire this Friday at the Amphitheater at Clark County. you got to get the WWE prize pack as well. Richie Bristol will get your information. Thank you for playing Goth or Not. Thanks, Rick. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, here's Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Hello there, sports fans. Closing arguments have begun in the trial between the city of Seattle and the Supersonics Basketball Club. City lawyers contend the team must finish out the remaining two years on its lease at Key Arena, and sales owner Clay Barnett's group understood the city would enforce the lease when it took over ownership. The Sonics are trying to move to Oklahoma City for some ridiculous reason. <laughs> Why? But the upcoming NBA season. Is there a lot happening in Oklahoma City? I suppose so. Is that is, is moving to Oklahoma? It's gonna be another one of those days. Is you know what it is? Is I had uh, I had caffeine way earlier today than I normally do, and so I feel like the whole roller coaster of chemical intake in my body has been thrown off. Normally I have a cup of tea when I get up, but I had a huge cup of coffee this morning, and so now the whole thing it's just uh, it's all gone squiggly. Is moving to Oklahoma City though? Is that like buying low in a stock? You know what I mean? Let's move to a place that no one could possibly care less about because we can do it for pennies on the dollar. And then, by miraculous happenstance, if Oklahoma becomes like a real city of tomorrow at some point, then they'll already be there. They'll be in place to take advantage of it. That sounds good. No, but if that happens, then if the Sonics, I wasn't even really listening to the story, but so are the Sonics leaving or are they not leaving? They're leaving. They are leaving. Yeah. So. But doesn't that then mean that they're going to yank the Trailblazers out of here and move them to Seattle? Oh, maybe they will. I mean, didn't that just seem... Wouldn't anybody miss them not That was speculation. Here? I'm just... I mean, it just seems obvious, right? If you look at the whole thing, it's sort of a chess game. 
I mean, if there's no, if there's no, su- you know that Paul Allen like loves Seattle and he loves the Blazers. Oh, yeah? I mean, it just kind of. Well, and I mean, Seattle is. I mean, I know the people in Portland hate it. Look, I love Portland. We all love Portland. But let's be honest. We all. I know the people in Portland have a weird inferiority complex about Seattle. I know this that, is a place to fill up the gas tank on the way to Seattle. You know what? That's oh, what the Portland is. Say, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, Portland. Let's just call it what it is. Portland is to Seattle as South Park is to The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing, right? Uh, you know, uh, given given my own uh, preference, given my choice, I would watch South Park over The Simpsons every day. Uh, but The Simpsons does seem to get a little bit of that critical respect and acclaim that, that South Park never ever gets. Mm. You know, you one might almost one might also say that Portland is to Seattle as perhaps Family Guy is to South Park. Uh, but you know, but it's fine. And so that's just, that's just so people don't like to hear that. But it it seems like if if the Sonics leave Seattle, I mean Seattle is are they still a top ten market? Like number ten, number nine, something like that. I, I think it's uh, above that, maybe fifteen. So maybe it's fifteen. So I mean, it's certainly bigger than Portland. So it doesn't seem like they're just going to like lose that franchise and just sort of take that lying down. And we do seem to be the nearest sort of. Uh, we seem to be the nearest city that isn't really like using the basketball team to its uh, to its fullest effect. So anyway, well, enjoy it while it's here, I guess. Seattle's boring anyway. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, big freight train. Derailment today. Multiple train cars derailed early this morning. No injuries or hazardous materials have leaked. This happened shortly after 9 o'clock. Odon closed the ramps connecting I-84 West to I-205 North and South and the ramps connecting I-205 North and South on I-84 East. So that makes no sense. I don't understand. I just I tuned out about halfway through that description. Well, the train fell over. Okay. What train? It was carrying lumber. Seven of the cars flipped over. About 30 in total fell off the rails. This happened at uh, Northeast 102nd Avenue in Northeast Fremont. Uh, the rail lies along I-84 and crosses over the freeway at one point. So if you're heading in that direction, a lot of stuff is closed. Lumber. I barely knew her. So here's something that will keep your attention. They found another dead body in Southeast. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. Uh, let me guess. Let's play, let's play where was that dead body. All right, so was this above or below 82nd? Above. Above. Okay. Was it between 82nd and 130th? Above. I was going to say 160th. Too low. Too low. 160th? Higher. higher. Really? I don't even... Oh, that's the Gresham then, isn't yeah, it? Seriously. I don't... Uh, where at? I give 181st. Up. 162nd and Main and Southeast. And then an awkward silence descended over the room. I'm I didn't know who... to think about where that is. I didn't know who was supposed to speak there. That's exactly what I was doing. I was trying to figure out because there's... I know where 161st in Stark is. Where's Rock and Roll Pizza? Is that like 100? That is on Powell, right? Yeah, that's like 160. I'm trying to like. Yeah, Rock and Roll Pizza, and so that Victory Bingo is on 161st. Yeah, okay. Well, whatever. It's it's just another dead. Not in my neighborhood. Well, no. What was the nature of the dead body? Shot? Stabbed? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Did they? They they don't know. There's nobody inquiring. Another dead body. Maybe just the suffocating blanket of Gresham hate. It just finally snuffed out their life force. All right. Well, sorry. Yep. Too bad. (laughs) Is everybody listless today? Is there some sort of weird lackluster vibe in the air? I myself am full of life and zest. I think it's going fabulously so far. You're an example to other radio personnel. I really am. Mm -hmm. How sad is that, by the way, that me running my gums about Ed McMahon was somehow isolated as the paragon of of radio excellence. Well, whatever. And someone's listening. I must have that recording to play to others. (laughs) I have to. Rick Emerson has to to serve as an example to other radio personalities. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, this email says, TriMet isn't the only uh, transportation agency with a vomit problem, Rick. 
Yesterday at the... De- By the way, I should note that this email... God love you, Kathy. You've been emailing me for, I would guess, the better part of a decade now. But this is the, this is the same Kathy who chastised us for playing the vomit sound effect uh, so repeatedly about two weeks ago. And here she is emailing me a vomit story. <laughs> Sherrod, you are, my friend. You've converted another one. Uh, let's see. Um, Primat isn't the only transportation agency with vomit problems. Yesterday at the Denver airport, there was a pile of, a pile of vomit. A pile of vomit is a great phrase because that sort of implies the vomit is stacked up like Richard Dreyfuss's Devil's Tower models. Um, I don't think you can have a pile of vomit unless you're just vomiting up a big, like, tax or something. Really, unless you're just vomiting up, uh, like, building blocks. Unless you've just been swallowing plastic cubes. I don't think vomit can ever be anything but a puddle. I mean, maybe a lake, I suppose. Anyway, she says, yesterday at the Denver airport, there was a pile of vomit right in the middle of the concourse. I walked around it, but an hour later when I came back, it was still there. I don't understand. Well, I mean, the Denver airport, it's all they can do just to keep that thing open from moment to moment, even now. All right, here's Tim Riley. A 16-year-old Portland boy who was praised as a hero two years ago for tackling a guy who snatched the baby girl from a stroller on the Max platform, will now get 10 years in the prison for shooting two teenagers in the legs. Lamar Curry also faces a rape charges, but those oh. were dismissed in a plea bargain. He was charged with shooting the boys outside Jefferson High School last October at a homecoming dance. It appears to be gang-related. He pled guilty to two counts of assault with a firearm. The mother and the baby girl were visiting Portland from Eastern Oregon. The man grabbed the uh, baby... He said he uh, intended to throw her under the train. These people on the east side, I'm telling you. Uh, two more men have filed a lawsuit against the Mormon church, alleging that a former troop and church leader, Timur Van Dykes, molested them. This brings a number of such filings to eight, seeking a total of $33 million in damages. So this is, wait, so this is, he's not a, this is not, I guess in my head I always hear scout leader. But he's, he's a, a former troop and church leader. Oh, okay. So he is both a church leader and a scout leader, yes. of Timor course. Van Dykes. Well, that access to twice the children, I suppose. Uh, lawsuits in Multnomah County Court allege that the molestation <sighs> began in the early 80s, ended in the early 90s, and involved scout troops 478 and 719. Six of the eight uh, agreed recently to enter talks to settle the lawsuits but reached no agreement. Dykes has been convicted on at least 26 sex crimes since 1983 and is a registered sex offender. Are you amazed? And again, I'm not advocating this. I'm not saying this should happen. Rick Emerson does not promote vigilante justice. That would be wrong. I'm just saying, are you amazed that more of these uh, these sex abuse victims don't just say, like, all right, well, that's it, and just like and go find the guy and just toss him under a bus? Yes. I mean, I'm astounded that that doesn't happen more often. In fact, I can't remember the last time it did happen. I think there might have been... I think yeah, there might have been a priest who got killed in prison. I was going to say, I think there might have been a, uh, but even that was in prison where you know God only knows why he was killed. I mean, maybe he was just looking at the guy the wrong way in the lunch line. But I think there, I think there was a kid of, uh, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven, eight years ago that took a shot at a bishop somewhere. But I, you know, but the, 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 I might just be hallucinating that. I, that might not have actually happened. It really, there must be something in the psychology about that where your sort of the sort of victim mentality remains, you know, long after the fact because it would just, it seems like. You know, these kids would get molested. Would just sort of wake up one day and decide that they had to take out the trash themselves. So Isn't I that, that movie, but you know, the, um, those kids that were all molested. Sleepers. Movies. Yeah. Lorenzo Carcaterra. That's a good movie. That's a fantastic film. That's one of the best movies ever. Uh, but um, and it's got you know that what, what talk about an all star cast. It's got uh, Jason Patrick, Brad Pitt, um, uh, what's his name, Russell Hammond from Stillwater. 
um, Billy Crudup. Mm-hmm. That really isn't that Brad Renfro in it too? I think so. Robert De Niro, Dustin Hoffman. I always, I always get Brad Renfro and Ethan Hawke confused. Yeah. They kind of look the same in my mind too. Boy, Sleepers is uh, Kevin Bacon. Sleepers is a really great movie. Anyway, I'm just amazed that you know that some of these like sex abuse victims don't just don't just decide just to sort of sort things out themselves. Not that they should. That would be wrong. But it does it does sort of surprise me. How about this? We could uh, maybe do this uh, since there does seem to be so much of the, and you know I'm. And I know Bob Costantini was talking about this other Supreme Court ruling that had to do with, like, child rape or whatever. And I just, you know, I'm just going to skip it. I just don't think. But I, I would say this. Maybe as a society we could just take a vote that, uh, you know, in exchange for, like, you know, your family not having to live through your eventual prosecution and incarceration and having to settle out of court for, like, $9 million. You know, if you get in the head that you got to go molest a bunch of kids, maybe we can just strike some sort of an agreement where you toss yourself off a building in the middle of town uh, and then we'll just sort of let bygones be got bygones at that point. You know, we'll just give you a chance to just sort of do the right thing yourself. Anyway, here's Tim Riley. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is launching a public relations campaign to show the differences between that church and the polygamous Texas group known as the FLDS. A letter has been sent to the news media requesting correct terminology be used when reporting the story. The church whose members are known as Mormons have produced video for the website showing the differences between the two religions. So I'm at their website right now. Let's see if I can find one of these. This is the Mormon Church or the FLDS Church? This is the Mormon Church. All right, trying to differentiate themselves from the FLDS Church. Right, so they've uh, produced some videos. So let's see if... uh, I do like, by the way, your ironic juxtaposition of them trying to differentiate themselves from the uh, FLDS Church right after we have a story about some Mormon scout leader allegedly... uh... Is this allegedly or was he convicted already? No, allegedly. Allegedly. Mm -hmm. Sure, it's just some sort of a misunderstanding. Well, I guess the videos aren't ready. I'm at their website, and apparently there's uh, one here. Uh, they take uh, better steps to inform the public about the differences. The Texas uh, Mormons featured a video interview, including the director of community theater, a surgeon in justice of the peace, <laughs> a former Houston Oilers quarterback, a news anchor, and a young woman with aspirations for medical school. I will guarantee you that one of these spots uh, has Steve Young in it. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of Mormon celebrities. I'm from Beaumont, Texas. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I'm a state president. And my job is Probably. To rally those resources that are available to us when it comes time to respond to an emergency. After Katrina had hit, we had received an assignment from church headquarters that uh, we were to go to Waveland, Mississippi to help in the recovery effort. But we took 350 men down there to, to Waveland, Mississippi. Experience of one couple sitting in their car. Boy, he's the most Mormon-looking guy. They all look like him. House and, and our guys walked up and said, can we help? And he said, we don't even know where to begin. And our guys uh, immediately got on the roof, knocked down the trees, tarped up the top of the house, mucked it out because it was filled with uh, mud, and uh, took down the sheet. Wait, so is this just a big... And, uh, this is just about them left. building a house. She was in tears again. Well, they're trying to show them doing other things. Oh, no, not molesting. They're cleaning up mud. Something other than raping. Not all molesting all the time. It's not just sex temples and rape with us. You have to... I mean, really, that's just a very small part. Well, all right. So they have zillions of dollars to spend on this. That guy, you know, he looks like William Bennett, who is the guy that wrote the Book of Virtues. Oh, yeah. William Bennett is just, there's only, in my experience, I mean, there's William Bennett and then there's, um, there's William Bennett and then there's, well, again, like Steve Young, who played for the 49ers for a long time. The, just the most Mormon looking guys on earth. I mean, even, even to this day, uh, you know, my wife can actually pick Mormons out of a lineup just because there is sort of a very 
there's a very sort of distinctly clean cut look that the Mormon Church encourages uh, in its members, and I mean especially anybody who's gone to BYU. There's a there's a very there's a definitive BYU look uh, as well. And always remember, kids, cougars don't cut corners. Here's Tim Riley. So even though the devil may wear Prada, the Pope doesn't. That's a word from the Vatican's official newspaper. They actually said that. They say, I quote, the Pope in summary does not wear Prada, but Christ. Pope Benedict was named Accessorizer of the Year last year by Esquire magazine for his smart red loafers that fashion observers guessed are made by the Italian designer. The Vatican has never commented on the shoes, but continue to talk about the 81-year-old uh, Pope's uh, splendor, prompting the newspaper denial. The story claimed talk about Benedict's attire, trivializing the Pope, and noted his look is rooted in tradition, not fashion. Still, the article will not say who makes the Pope's red shoes. Is that true? They're totally Prada. Mm -hmm. Well, they're lying. It's a Catholic church. (laughs) 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 But, I mean, isn't it true? This is a side-by-side comparison when he was photographed with his snappy red loafers out. On the town. I didn't know that, really. Yeah, I had it on my blog. Oh, I see. I didn't... Comparison. They, they had the picture of the red Prada loafers. They couldn't be anything but. All right. Well, whatever. It, it's, it's also interesting, by the way, that they do that they do use a lot of, um, I would say, keywords, maybe, when discussing the, uh, discussing the Pope's, uh, you know, things like, uh, what did they say, splendor? His splendor and his fashion sense. Mm-hmm. So, and his, you know. What does that splendor mean? I think we know what it means, Tim. Splendor in the grass. <laughs> Self-loathing. <laughs> So, I mean, he's wearing red, he's wearing ruby red slippers. Yeah, I mean, regardless of whether or not they're Prada, you're right, he's wearing red leather slippers. I'm just saying that I think the Pope and Dorothy might be more than casual acquaintances. That's the only observation I'm going to make. That is simply my observation as a pundit. Here's Tim Riley. Well, it's time to give a lighthouse to the Indians, and why not? Both Oregon senators, uh, and uh, Congressman Peter DeFazio, too, have introduced a bill that would let the Coast Guard transfer ownership of the abandoned Cape Arago Lighthouse to the Confederated Tribes of the Coos, Lower Umpqua, and Sui Salon Indians. Apparently, they merged. The lighthouse is on Chiefs Island. It's an ancestral village and burial ground. The tribal chair, Bob Garcia, said the tribe has had access to the island near Coos Bay for many years, but attempts to regain the lighthouse have been blocked by the National Historic Lighthouse Preservation Act, which limits transfers to lighthouses to uh, preservation groups. The lighthouse was built in 1934, and there's no opposition to giving lighthouses to Indians. Why shouldn't they get <laughs> lighthouses the, for all? The white man has had lighthouses for years. <laughs> Why not the Indians? Lighthouses. They're not just for whitey anymore. Oh. Uh, you know, I do kind of have this fantasy every now and again of running away and being one of those guys who lives in a lighthouse. But you know what? Here's my question. Does the, is that even a real job? Does that is that even... I, yeah, I guess it is. Because you always sort of see that depicted in in fiction, right? Where there's like a guy, there's like one, like an old crusty sea salt kind of a guy who has like a beard and a corncob pipe, and he, you know, he lives it, and he lives there in the lighthouse to like, I don't know, turn it on or something, or let somebody know when the bulb needs to be fixed. But I mean, you wonder if that actually, if that actually is the case. Is there I, a I, guy? No, they're all automated now. So it, I, is the guy in the lighthouse? Has he gone the way of the guy who has to, used to have to live at our transmitter site? Yes. Because radio station, and we have these fascinating photographs. Uh, I haven't, I saved them somewhere at home. Like from the 1930s. Yeah, of, of, it was at our actual transmitter site. Yeah. And I guess the law was, or the policy was anyway, there had to be a guy living at the transmitter site all the time. What, like in case of emergency or something? Yeah. And so you would see these, these photographs of basically a little tiny efficiency apartment at our transmitter site. Where, like, a guy had to live all the time. It was really fascinating. It looks like something out of those old black and white silent movies, like Buster Keaton would. Totally. Have a kitchen like that. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it looks like it looks like some tiny little 
uh, turn of the century Manhattan studio apartment, basically. And a guy had to live at the transmitter site. Uh, and it was, it was like something out of the borrowers. It was just the weirdest thing. And, um, but I was thinking about that with guys in lighthouses, too. Uh, you know? Because, I mean, you talk about a, just, a, I would imagine, a low-responsibility job. I mean, that's a job where you can really get, you wouldn't talk about wanting to get away from people. No Jehovah's Witnesses going to be knocking at your door. You live in a lighthouse. Have you ever been to the North Head Lighthouse? No. Yeah, it was so neat because I went there, and there's this guy just sitting up there on the top reading a book. Oh, come completely on. Completely surrounded by glass. Oh, just, how great is that? Just him, a chair, a book, surrounded by glass, sitting on the edge of this cliff on, in a lighthouse. It was so bizarre. Does he live there, do you think? There was, a, like, a, a house-looking structure kind of attached to it. I don't know if that was, like, the store I mean, or would, whatever it was. It was like, so neat. I mean, it, however little they paid you, wouldn't that just be a fantastic job in many ways? And I know that sounds ironic because I have a job... It forcibly puts me in contact with people for hours and hours every week, where I am surrounded by a sea of swirling humanity. Um, but I think I think like a lot of people, and maybe I think maybe like a lot of people in the entertainment industry, I really only have two modes in my head, which is ultra social and ultra isolationist. Absolutely, uh, me and too. Absolutely, that's the thing. I like to be at home by myself or out surrounded by a bunch of people. I think Amen. that. Yeah, I think it probably except for the part being surrounded by people. <laughs> Just at home alone. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, but I mean, I think that is the deal with all of us, right? And it's like we sort of come here, we do this job, and we have the listener parties and whatever, which is great. But that is sort of one. Like, in our heads, I think here, at least for the three of us, we have a, a binary switch in our head. And either is, like, social or isolated. And it's just, and at a certain point in the day, or maybe at a certain, you know, you just get into a mood where it flips, and you're just like, I want to be in, you know, a compound isolated from every other human being with no one in 100 miles. And, I mean, that's why... I, I don't understand, like, when people can go to a bar and, like, hang out by themselves and, like, read. Because when I want to be alone, I want to be, like, if it's absolutely switches, alone. it's, like, yeah. absolutely alone or with people. Like, yeah. there is no middle ground for me. No, I, uh, I have these, ah, never mind. Anyway, this is, we want to hear about it. I was just going to say this is more for my shrink. But I do have these, I, don't get me wrong, you know, I, I love my wife. I love, you know, the, 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 whatever, all of that. But I think I also speak for a lot of people when I say that I have these fantasies of building, like, like in that, what is that Jodie Foster movie, The Panic Room or whatever? Oh, yeah, that's true. I have these fantasies of just building like an absolutely soundproof, impenetrable isolation room at my home mm-hmm. where I can just go in and it's like the cone of silence and get smart where like an opens and I go inside and it just airlocks shut behind me. That's that, right. I don't that can think... get you through the air vent, though. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that is true. That's how they get you every time. That's how Dwight Yoakam comes and kills me. That's why I just, I just can't fathom living with anybody. Yeah. It's just, it's really difficult for me to not have my, my private time. I start to just resent people. Yeah, there's, I mean, there are certain times, I mean, most of the time it's not an issue, but there are times, and, it, and in my head, and maybe this tells you more about me than you want to know, but in my head, the room is always just absolutely silent and pitch black. I just, I have these fantasies of just locking myself into an absolutely dark room for like three or four or five hours, and then I'll be fine. Isn't so. that what this is? More or less. More or less. Hey, by the way, speaking of lighthouses, have you seen that? And it's real. Have you seen that thing going around the net of that company that was putting out gummy lighthouses? It's like oh. gummy. It's like gummy candy. You know, and they make gummy everything now. They make like gummy spiders and tarantulas and whatever. Um, but they, this company made gummy lighthouses, and so it's like a rock outcropping with a lighthouse on it. But of course, if you take it, tilt it to the side, it does in fact look like the business. Looks like junk. That's what it looks like. So uh, I'll find it. I'll put it on my website. It's uh, It looks like a man's whole whole unit down there. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, you can thank some out-of-control redneck in Auburn, Washington, for attracting a lot of attention to Tim McGraw. You see, he wasn't looking for trouble. They must have been looking for him. Apparently, uh, well, you probably saw the video already. The country singer helped eject an unruly redneck fan. He shouts, get rid of this guy. He's someone security. They don't arrive fast enough, so he uses his own people 
to haul this guy, which is like this big bulky pair of overalls with a head on top of it, on stage. Kenny <laughs> Vance is causing trouble. I'm, I'm not saying. <laughs> a a heavy set fan moves toward McGraw. The singer threatens him with a cocked fist as he a fist as he's held away. The vast performance of Indian Outlaw never stopped. And as if on cue, McGraw steps up to the mic and picks up the line with, I ain't looking for trouble. Uh, I liked him, McGraw. I am not a huge country fan, but I will say that I, I dig that guy. And uh, the little bit of acting I've seen him do is is not bad as well. But I I saw that uh, video where there was some guy, and I guess that I guess it was some uh, a hole fan that had like I don't know been like punching some woman in the face or something like something that really called for a beating. Don't get me a bear, woman. Yeah, seriously, it was a lot like shoving some woman around in the crowd. And I guess McGraw just decided he had enough of that. And he and when security didn't act fast enough, he just had his own people like grab the guy and drag him on stage. Is he the one that's married to Faith Hill? He is indeed. Was she? Wasn't she the one that screamed at some other girl in the audience to get, get away from my man? Yeah, enough is junk. Yeah, because it was, I guess, McGraw got groped by some chick in the crowd, and Faith Hill went all batty. Uh, but, uh, all right, well, in any event. Uh, let's see. We have a call about a stabbing and a mystery call. Take the mystery call first. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. I bet you're calling about lighthouses. <laughs> no, but close. Oh, all right. uh, greetings to you all, however. Um, as a fellow isolationist, I kind of wanted to see if you kind of run into this problem um, in your field of work. Uh, I... I'm a musician, and I have a, a hard time. And if you've ever noticed two musicians kind of cross each other's path, they all kind of do this similar dance. It's the I don't want to waste your time if you don't want to waste mine dance. And you want to make sure that the guy that you're talking to actually, I'll just say it, doesn't suck because every musician either has an inferiority complex or they know they're good. And mm -hmm. so you kind of, when you communicate, usually by accident with another musician, and then you kind of start uh, into that little uh, small talk phase, and then you kind of back away, and you go in, and then you back away, and you go in, and then finally somebody balls up and says, well, let me hear some of your stuff. And then you kind of do the side thing. You, you go home, and you call in, and you take a day off work, and your eyes kind of sink back into your head a little bit, and you finally bring in your CD, and he either loves it or he kind of hates it, and it becomes kind of like this pseudo-divorce proceeding where everybody kind of stays friends and... Anyway, but I also wanted to know if you. <laughs> you sound really mental. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, bit. look, I'm. I'm. I was going to say I'm no one to point fingers. I'm absolutely the person to point fingers. I know mental, but so you let can me smell your own. I will say this: that I don't really know that I have uh, an equivalent uh, to that experience. Uh, but, uh, but I. But it does. Clearly, it seems like a thing that you've had many, many, many experiences with. So right. Have you noticed that isolationist people always kind of surround themselves with the same movies, like the 28 Days Later or the uh, Life Without People things, where you kind of, um, you're always kind of entertained by the thought of there not really being that many people left on Earth? Where I can, I can dream of a post-apocalyptic wasteland with I no one else around. I all the time. Oh, me too. That's all I oh, absolutely. And that's what all I like to read about. Oh, my God. Totally. No, that's, well, that's why, that's why. I did not even realize That's that. why people like us always read The Stand by Stephen King, because it's just the idea that you wake up one day and about 85% of the world's population, gone. That's why I'm so obsessed with Girlfriend in a Coma. Totally. Wow. And other isolationist people you'll always find, and I find this by reading Henry Rollins, too, is that whatever your profession is, you usually hate hanging out with other people in your profession. That's kind of where I'm coming from with the musical. Exactly. Rollins does really, really, really great observations about having to work within the music industry, which is you know, and with Rollins, I don't want to speak for him, but Rollins, you read a lot of his writing, and he sort of, he, he's in that weird thing where, I think kind of like us with radio, where Rollins loves music and loves making music, but just hates the music industry and most musicians. Well, yeah, and, and being uh, in the sales yeah. field, too, it's just, I can't stand if you have any kind of intelligence whatsoever, you can smell just the greasy car salesman guy, and you can smell the professional, and you can also <laughs> smell the isolationist. There are people out there that just don't want to work, and they just want to talk for a living, and they just want to hide in a room like me. And it's just um, – so, yeah, so then we end up uh, getting the 28 
Days Later trilogy. And I would also Rollins. and you know the other the other movie scene that really appeals to that desire is that whole sequence in Fight Club when Brad Pitt is just sort of talking about like some futuristic world where it's like and you wear leather clothes that'll last you the rest of your life. You'll hunt for your food on an abandoned highway littered with broken automobiles or whatever. That's all. Those movies all do sort of uh, appeal to to the variations on your personality and my personality. Yes, the comfort factor there. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Bye. All right, I'll see you in the future post-apocalyptic. Uh, you know the thing. Here's Tim Riley. Looks like Dr. Death is going back to Australia. Remember this story? Mm -hmm. The Oregon doctor charged with manslaughter in the deaths of three patients at an Australian hospital agrees to be extradited to stand trial. Jan Patel is expected to sign the extradition agreement. Patel? Today. Patel. All right. He's also expected to ask for release from jail pending his extradition, but a federal judge will have to decide whether to grant the request. This is getting too complicated. I resent that he's called Dr. Death. Dr. Kevorkian ought to be trademarking that right now. He returned to Oregon as concern was growing over his care of patients at a hospital in Australia in the state of Queensland between 2003 and 2005. In addition, a man of the extradition complaint charged Dr. Patel with grievous bodily harm, negligence, and fraud under Australian law. He hid his history of professional misconduct and lied repeatedly on forums required for registration in Australia. If convicted, Dr. Patel could go to prison for 100 years. Okay. Further comments? No, I just, uh, no. No, I don't have anything. All right. Uh, let's go to Florida then. Damn it. I should have known we were going to. Oh, damn it. It's like three times in a row I've gotten schooled. Remember the uh, shark that bit the guy's arm off and he made the TV show rounds? He said he was feeling fine? Well, now he's blaming the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission for not properly controlling the alligator population. Wait, he was bit beaten, he was bitten by what? An alligator. Oh, okay. I think he said a shark. Okay. No, did I say shark? I think you said shark. I didn't. And then I was thinking about that surfer chick, the California girl who got her arm bitten off, and now she's a one-armed surfer. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. So no. Speaks at high school graduation. Oh, this is the right next to the guy who plays guitar with his feet. This is the guy who who lost the arm, but like he stuck, he was like gouging the alligator's eyes or something. All right. Oh yeah, he got. So it's a problem that needs to be dealt with, says victim Casey Edwards. The alligators, the population needs to be brought down. He said he knew the canal was infested with alligators before taking a 2 a.m. swim. Hmm. All these things are wrong at the same time. He knew the canal was infested with alligators before taking a swim at 2 a.m. So Yet who, he's blaming others. So whose fault is this? There, there are two bad things here together. <laughs> it seems taking like you a swim either, at 2 a.m. It seems like you in could, a canal that he knew was infested <laughs> by alligators. It seems like you could have either one of those. You could either be going swimming late at night or. You could know that there were alligators there. If the two of those go together, in my editorial opinion, it does seem like that then it takes the blame off of certainly the alligators and probably off the state. I don't really know that it's, this is again just my opinion as protected by the First Amendment, I don't really know that it's the government's job to protect you from your own stupidity. Mm -hmm. Who says I know there are alligators there and it's 2 a.m. and there's nobody around, I think I'll dive in and get myself some swimming done. Yeah, I mean, it's someone else's fault. I mean, I think that really, at that point, you enter the you-get-what's-coming-to-you mode. And right. apparently he did. Um, yeah. All right, this says, Rick, I understand about your need for isolation from time to time. There's something to be said for those people who will just say, F it, I'm out, and just move to some cabin in the forest. Another thing, I don't really fantasize about a cabin in the forest. I've always had a desire to do that. Like, listen, just go... Uh, I've loved John Denver so much, and, like, the way he's painted the picture in my mind since I was little about living in a cabin in the mountains... 
like in the forest and stuff. I would love to do that. He says, I sometimes romantically fantasize about doing the same, but then I read Into the Wild again and realize that us city folks shouldn't really try to do such things. That's the thing is I think that probably the reality just intrudes in the situation, and then you find yourself trapped in some Appalachian snowfall having to eat one of your relatives, and that's no good. But I do, uh, but it is the, um, like, have you ever seen the Mosquito Coast? With no. Harrison Ford? No. Oh, the Mosquito Coast. Really? For somebody like this, for somebody like us who really just has that fantasy, which I think they also tap into... Don't you, I know this we sound like we're all having some weird encounter group now where we're talking about our desire to shun human contact, but... At least it's free without paying anybody to listen. I suppose that's true. You know, my shrink is on vacation for two weeks, uh, so, you know, he'll be happy while I grow steadily more crazy. Uh, so, you know... Well, that's fine. We can deal with it. We'll just do it here. Um... But I think they also tap it a little bit of that into that with uh, the movie Witness with Harrison Ford, because isn't that the thing where he has to move to the the Amish village or whatever uh, to, to protect the kid Lucas Haas who witnessed a murder? Isn't that the deal? Harrison Ford's like a cop, and there was an Amish kid who witnessed a murder, and they didn't want him to get whacked, so Harrison Ford had to had to go and live basically undercover as an Amish with them to protect the kid. And I think there was a lot of, I think because. Here's another thing. Maybe this will make me sound retarded. I you, I don't have these much anymore, but I used to have these fantasies about running away and becoming Amish. I know it sounds stupid. I swear to God, though, just because I because I think it is just a way. To, I think people view like going away and joining the Amish community as just a way to hide from everything, which I know that's what it felt like to me. You wouldn't like to live without a refrigerator, though. No, but but I feel like maybe it would be like an all or nothing kind of a deal. You know what I mean? Like I don't like to go camping. Because, for example, camping sort of seems like this awkward middle ground where you're kind of getting away from it, but you're sort of bringing it all with you. And plus, you know, how long can you camp? You're camping for four days, and then you got to go back and go back to go back to work at a widget factory. It, whereas the idea of just flushing it all and just saying like, "F it, I am done," and you just sort of pull the ripcord and you just leave, I think that really appeals to people, um, especially in these modern times where you just sort of leave your life altogether and you just you just sort of vanish into the into the tapestry of the country somehow. Um, but on the second day of camping, you already feel dirty. Well, that's see, and that's that's my if thing. You had like self-cleaning sleeping bags. You zip yourself <laughs> up and push a button. Wake up fresh as a daisy. Them saturate you with ultraviolet radiation. Uh-huh. I, in the Mosquito Coast, and we'll take a break here. We'll come back. We'll do some calls. In the Mosquito Coast, there is uh, Harrison Ford. It's Harrison Ford. Um, got Martha Plimpton. River Phoenix is in it. Um, somebody else. I forget who plays the mom. But Harrison Ford, I think it's. I think his deal is he's like a he's like a a teacher, a professor, or whatever. But he's sort of a guy who's become really disillusioned with America and modern life, and he wants to just escape sort of all of the chaos and stress and trappings of modern life. So he picks this remote country in like South America or whatever. And he just comes home one day and he tell he sees like something on the news about like gas prices or the price of food or the recession. And he comes home one day literally and tells his wife and his kids, he's like, F it, we're leaving now. And his wife is like, Okay, well let me just pack some. He's like, No, he's like, We're leaving. And the wife looks over into the kitchen and she sees this mound of dirty dishes in the kitchen that need to be cleaned. And he just got he's just like, We're leaving. And they literally get in the car and they drive to the airport and they fly to South America and they just live in South America. They walk out of the house and they leave it all behind. And there is this great shot of the family leaving the house, window, front door open, television still on, and they just literally walk out of their lives and just leave the entire thing behind. And I think that does I think there is a certain resonance that it has for people, uh, especially maybe in a, a very industrialized country like ours, and especially in this in this sort of in the later twentieth century and now because you're just sort of saturated in all the stressful minutia of everyday life. And Americans do have, I believe, a really sort of absolutist way of looking at things. And I think you're either going to live in a big city and you're either going to be woven into the fabric of life or 
you're just going to say, like, F this, and you just hit the – it's like hitting that big red uh, button on on the uh, you know on the plane or whatever that just stops everything, the big red escape button, and you just sort of jettison the whole deal. So, all right. Take a break here. We'll come back. More of our antisocial ruminations when we return, plus your phone calls. Uh, let's see. We've got alligator calls, stabbing calls, English muffin bagel calls, and more. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Stay right there. Tim Riley returns next. Emerson Radio Program. That's awesome. Yeah, they're fantastic. They really are. Uh, that is the uh, sound of Bubba Speed, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, they're going to be playing tonight at Duff's Garage, which is at 7th, uh, let's see, Southeast 7th between Market uh, and Clay. Uh, they go on first. The show starts, I don't know who else, I guess it's a bunch of bands. They go on first. show starts at 845. So uh, Bubba Speed, uh, that is from their self-titled six-song EP, which I think you can buy there tonight. So you really ought to go see them. Here's Tim Riley. So it's going to start getting hot tomorrow and be in the 90s and possibly go up to 100 degrees by Sunday. It says here, embrace the heat. <sighs> okay, yeah, I'll get right on that. I had this, uh, this horrible thing happen last night, by the way, because our bedroom, for whatever reason, uh, I, I don't know why this is, actually, but you would see, our bedroom is not even like really set off for the rest of the house. It's just like in a different, you know, it's kind of off in a corner. But it's either much colder than the rest of the house or much hotter than the rest of the house. And I don't really know why. It seems like it would either be one or the other, right? Mm -hmm. seems like the bedroom year-round would either be 10 degrees hotter than the rest of the house always or 10 degrees cooler. But in the winter, the rest of the house is, you know, whatever, and the bedroom is an ice box. And then during the summer, the rest of the house or whatever, and the bedroom is just a freaking oven. It makes no sense at all. Uh, anyway, so we had the air conditioner running last night, and this horrible thing happened. We're at about, um, I don't know, like 2.45 or 3 a.m. Like, part of the hosing out of the back of the... Hosing is a funny word. But the part of the hosing out of the back of the air conditioner, like, actually, it didn't break, but it sort of came unattached somehow. And so the air conditioner just started spewing hot air into the room. It was... <laughs> I woke up like... <laughs> because, you know, it's supposed to be... It's supposed to be isolating the hot air and pulling it and like shooting it out out the wall or whatever, like out into the out into the world, you know, so that I can destroy the ozone layer and then it leaves the cool air behind and whatever. So, but part of the tubing comes back comes off the back of the air conditioner last night. I'm guessing at like around three, and I woke and so it's just spewing this like ultra concentrated. It's like basically a huge hair dryer just going <laughs> pouring hot air into the bedroom. And so I woke up at like five thirty. Just, ah, ah, 
<laughs> kind of that thing where you're just sort of bathed in, in a thin sheen of sweat. And you're just waking up oh, so damn hot, and you can't quite figure out why, like where you are. It's actually so hot that you become like sort of disoriented. So, uh, so when you when assembling your air conditioner, keep a special eye on that duct taping on the back. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi, I have a parody for the uh, white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. Okay. If you were to go into a pet store and say, what are my choices for dogs? Mutt, Hound, Doberman, English Setter, Poodle. <laughs> can, you do that, can you do that twice more in a row? Yes, I can. I've been practicing. <laughs> Mutt, Hound, Doberman, English Setter, Poodle. Mutt, Hound, Doberman, English Setter, Poodle. All right. Thank you, my friend. My pleasure. Bye. All right. There you go. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. Hey, uh, I was uh, the uh, story about the guy who got his, uh, his arm bit off by the alligator. Yes, sir. That's, that's pretty hilarious because uh, that's exactly what happened to uh, Chubbs Peterson and ha- Happy Gilmore. Is that true? I've only seen Happy Gilmore once, and I don't remember much about it. Yeah, he uh, he uh, got got his uh, his hand caught, caught in the alligator's mouth, but then he gouged the uh, alligator's eyes out, or the eye out, I should say. Did he lose the arm? Yes. All right. So there you go. So maybe this. So this is all part of some. This is all part of some guy's grand desire to ape the happenings in hat in Adam Sandler films. So. Yeah. Uh, one more quick thing. Yeah. Uh, that uh that band that you posted on your on your website um the uh lead singer for that band is surprisingly pretty pretty good man oh uh oh i'm sorry the band that i'm constrained from discussing are you talking about that band are they called the wonderstruck i don't know anything <laughs> yes, about that yes yes yeah okay, I, was... I think i've heard of them yeah Why the lead singer can kind of be a douchebag sometimes but he's pretty cool <laughs> and he looks fat uh all right, thank you. And you can and you can tell he's sucking in his gut through that whole performance too. By the way, if you look really no, close. you can. I saw it, and the Do person looked good. Do I look surprisingly slender? Yeah, you did. The, the maroon worked well. I mean, he, not he, me. He, he, he looks surprisingly. Yeah, 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 he looked kind of muscular too. All right, thank you. <laughs> All right, thanks, thanks so much. All right, there you go. Here's Tim Riley. You know, the poor people in the Cove do suffer from inferiority complex. They're always number two or number three in something, never number one. Once again, they're only ranked number two nationally for inmate sex crimes. <laughs> well, they're not number one, but they can try harder. Maybe if they really buckle down and rape the appropriate number of people, you know, by the end of the year, they'll be able to take home the gold, Tim. Once again, the Clark County Jail has an inmate sex crime rate three times the national average, <laughs> but they're only number two. Number one is Torrance, California. <laughs> of course it is. The National Inmate Survey was who keeps, required... Who keeps such statistics? <laughs> the Prison Rape Elimination Act of 2003. But, I mean, is there some guy with a clipboard and you were raped how many times? Seven, okay. And uh, was that while blindfolded? blindfolded? Shower or... Oh, bunk, okay. And uh, what was it, uh, like a retributional rape or more of a recreational? Recreational, okay, great. And he did anything and he branded you. Okay, that's... Where? A left buttock? Mm-hmm. What did he brand? Was it uh, a swastika? Okay, great. Recreational rape in the bunk branded with a swastika left buttock. Okay, that great. So I'll be back next year. We'll do this again. All right, ciao. Well, they probably figured they better do something while they're incarcerated. I'm just trying to they could be so lucky once they get out. <laughs> Live while you're alive, Tim, or in jail. I'm just trying to figure out exactly how they determine the statistics for that. Maybe people in Vancouver are just more more up to discussing their, their sexual violations. Perhaps so. Well, right. the rate for Clark County is 9.1% of inmates reporting being victims of sex crimes in prison. Really? 10%? Mm-hmm. One, I, mean, I, guess, I guess you sort of think that happens a lot, but I, I guess that I am surprised that it's that high. Mm-hmm. 
One out of every ten. Although I guess that means you're, the odds are like nine in ten you won't be raped in prison. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got, I guess that is a... Uh, Maybe that, that person has a more intimate boy. atmosphere than others. You know, very rarely do I wish that we were on satellite, but I just had the best joke. I had the, <laughs> I had the best pun that I was going to make right now, and I just can't. You could say it online. <sighs> I could say it here and then dump it. And then, uh, and then I, because I, I don't think they fixed the stream. I think the stream is still pre-delay. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. Sounds like it's a pretty good joke. I'm saying, here's, here's what I was, I feel well, like I'm missing out on something good. It's going to be less funny now because I'll have to break it down. It, it would have been funny if I'd done it sort of I wish you would have just delivered it and then just hit the dump button. Dump <laughs> yeah. I was saying, like, your chances are only what, your chances are like X percent of being raped. Your chances are X percent, though, of not being raped. So I was going to say, it rhymes with, it rhymes with you either view the glass as half empty or the glass as half full. I still don't get it. <laughs> I get it. All right. <laughs> oh, I'm five. Here's Tim Riley. All right. <laughs> You've had enough. Tim's ready to move to a cabin right now. So they've uh, reopened those hop ramps that they closed at I-84 and I-205 due to that train tipping over. I mean, the I-84, Tim? The I-84. The I-84. And the I-205. So uh, drive anywhere you want. I, I don't know if they picked up the entire train again, but a whole bunch of cars uh, derailed there. Uh, to Florida we go now for this story. A female. I didn't even try for Sorry, that one. Tim. A 60-year-old female teacher is accused of having sex with young boys. Is she hot? Not really. For... Well, she kind of looks Nancy Reaganish. If you're grading on it, a... she looks like Nancy Pelosi. She does, doesn't she? That's exactly who she looks like. She looks like Nancy. Well, well she's considered 60. Nancy Pelosi. I mean, she's 60 years of age. What are you going to do? She looks like she's had a little work done, but I guess it worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right. Adrian Laflamme uh, taught a 17-year-old boy this summer, it says here. Uh, the teen was released from school, and they began a sexual relationship. The woman's actors, uh, actions are an absolute disgrace, says a detective named Jasmine. Uh, Laflamme let the boy use her vehicle when she went on vacation. When she realized that she was under investigation, she falsely reported that her vehicle had been stolen. She's charged with 15 counts of unlawful sex with minors and one count of filing a false police report. There may be other victims, so all you young boys come forward. She let happen. the boy use her vehicle? Mm-hmm. She let him inside her Volvo? Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's exactly what happened. Come, come on! <laughs> I'm just doing the best I can over here. The hobnail boot of the government on my throat. All right, here's Tim Riley on KCMB Portland. So Barack Obama now gets the support of the AFL-CIO, and they claim one in four Americans is a member. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but apparently he'll get a Wait, one in four of what? Who? Americans are members somehow of the AFL-CIO. That's not true. I don't think that's true. No, that's Because they only have 15 uh, million members. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Barack Obama met with the General Motors uh, Chairman Rick Wagner to discuss how to help the American auto industry. Obama says we need more green cars. If we do this, the great assembly line manufacturers of the 20th century can turn out cars that run on renewable energy. The oceans will no longer rise. Our planet will be preserved. And that's what we must do as a centerpiece of our competitive strategy as a nation. This is What shade of green? Uh, this, is exactly, this is exactly... Doesn't that sound like a great... That sounds like a joke that really ought to be done in The Simpsons at some point where Homer he, he hears that everything... Bless you. Where things have got to be done. You need to do more green automobiles, and so he just goes and paints everything green. But that's, that's like, that kind of a soundbite is exactly what people are talking about when they say that Barack Obama is just full of these like insanely overreaching pie-in-the-sky uh, 
you know, goals about, she says, we'll have more green automobiles and then blah, 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 blah the earth will be saved. So it just sounds, I'm just, you know, I suppose it's good to be ambitious. It, uh, he does sound ever so slightly unrealistic from time to time. He tells the Rolling Stone that Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen are among his favorite artists, and he calls Stevie Wonder a musical hero. He's talking about what he has on his iPod. He likes the classic period from 1972 to 1976. He also shares what he has, says, quote, probably 30 Dylan songs on his iPod, and that Maggie's Farm is, quote, one of my favorites during the political season because it speaks to me as I listen to some political rhetoric. Don't you just instinctively disbelieve any politician, though, when they start talking about what their favorite artists mm -hmm. are? When they talk about what's on their iPad, because wasn't Hillary Clinton doing that same thing? And she was yeah. saying it was something patently unbelievable. Mm -hmm. uh, so, all right. uh, some of the other things he likes: uh, the blues great Howlin' Wolf, the cellist Yo-Yo Ma. See, everybody says they like Yo-Yo Ma, though. That's the thing. That's one of those. He's... That's the thing about when did Bob Dylan become the default musician? Because it makes me feel cheap. It like it feels like it's cheapening him for me. Right. Well, because people say Bob Dylan because it, I mean, like it. I'm not saying he doesn't really like Bob Dylan. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But I'm saying it's a safe choice for baby boomer politicians. It's kind of a vanilla choice. Exactly, because it, because Bob Dylan, who... It's acceptable background noise, whether or not you like it or not. Well, and Bob Dylan kind of, he, he's sort of weird. He kind of straddles that middle ground now to where he has both the kind of edgy outlaw credentials because he was such a troublemaker and a you know and he did write such such sort of strident and compelling and polarizing music but he but because baby boomers now run everything and because Bob Dylan shills for Victoria's Secret he so he simultaneously has the outlaw credential but he's completely safe and unthreatening so you can so you can you know you can look sort of hip and plugged in while threatening absolutely no one with that choice so all right he also likes the rapper Jay-Z Calls him a brilliant talent and a good guy. I enjoy how he thinks. So much for that. Uh, the United States Supreme Court has wanted to uphold the lower court ruling striking down D.C.'s 32-year handgun ban. Like, that's done a lot of good there. Supporters of the ban had claimed that allowing handguns in the district will lead to more crime. Well, opponents have argued the law is a violation of the Second Amendment. And apparently the, uh, the Supreme Court agreed with that today. Now that we have the extremes off the off the table, there's no slippery slope to gun confiscation, and and we can start dealing with the common sense middle ground things like background checks and restrictions on military style assault weapons, limits on the number of guns you can buy at one time. Uh, two D.C. residents have opposing views to D.C.'s handgun law. Each person ought to be able to have one. The permit idea is a good idea, but again, it kind of just keeps an honest man honest, and the crooks are going to be crooks. I have uh, been on the other side of a gun, and less guns out there, the less possibility of being on the other side of a gun. Well, okay. So there. Uh, one of the five girls suspected of taking part in the videotape beating said they never intended to post the graphic images on the YouTube or the MySpace. In an interview with prosecutors in Florida, 15-year-old Hala Haskell said it was the victim who had repeatedly threatened to physically assault all the suspects and she was powerless to intervene. This sounds like a made-up story, doesn't it? If I could have stopped it, if I knew I could have stopped it, like, if I wasn't afraid that Brittany would turn around and hit me, I would have opened the door and said, leave. Brittany? I don't even know. Uh, Kayla says she never intended to post the beating video on, on the YouTube. From watching the news, yeah. it was supposed, supposedly taken to put on MySpace, mm -hmm. but no one ever said they were going to put it on MySpace or YouTube. I just hate people. I, yeah, hate, I just hate everybody. I hate all people everywhere, really. Sometimes you can just smell the stupid coming off of people, can't you? You betcha. Uh, and we uh, love it. Yes. Hey, can we take like a 25 second pause? Yes. All right, I'm going to, uh, yeah, I, well, it sounds really dumb. I have to go get some ice. 
My visa's my visa's at room temperature. I'll be right back. We'll return in just a moment. Please don't touch that dial. You're listening to AM 970, The Talker. Excellent. Okay. How's everybody doing? Fine. All right. There you go. I had to go. No, it's the, the, the visa. It wasn't that it was absolutely warm, but it was. It was. It's that sort of frustrating, tepid kind of chilling. You know, like if you've ever, like if you ever left the refrigerator door open by mistake, and you go take something out, and it's chilled just enough to make you really want it absolutely chilled. So I went in. There was a big bag of. Let me just say this. The bag of ice in the freezer is a thing that is so rarely there when you really need it. You'll open up the freezer because you need some. It's like ice cube trays. You know, you go to go, no, 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 I really need some ice cubes right now to, like, chill this, you know, to, to, to chill this soda down. And then you open it, and the ice cube trays are always empty. It is one of the, one of small, life's small pleasures. I never want ice out of that refrigerator. Well, no, this was in a bag. This was, no, this was not. Yeah, no, oh, God. Oh, God. No, 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 no I'm not a savage. No, I wouldn't be using anything out of the ice cube trays. And I'm saying, just now, I went into the kitchen, and I opened up the deep freeze, and there was a bag of ice from the store in there, like sort of a, you know, the, 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 the ice you get at the Safeway or whatever. And so rarely, when you go to the freezer specifically looking for ice, is there actually ice. And so it's one of life's small pleasures when you go and you look for a bag of ice or you look for ice cubes, and they're actually there. Uh, because you realize that the, 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 the ice really is what separates us from... Uh, it's what separates us from, you know, from the, the caveman. Rabbit. Yeah, really, because, I mean, the caveman couldn't cool things down. All right, here's Tim Riley. Bruce Witherspoon and Jake Gyllenhaal are on a path to the altar. Mm. Apparently, Gyllenhaal has quietly moved into Reese Witherspoon's $5 million L.A. home and is already part of her fiercely guarded family. There ought to be some sort of a primate garbage pill kid named Reese's Witherspoon. So, you know what? This is what sucks, because my, like, your Scarlett Johansson is our Jake Gyllenhaal. Apparently, he's raising her two kids, Ava 8 and Deacon 4. They're from her former marriage to Ryan Felipe. So, uh, wait a minute. So, Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay, so Jake Gyllenhaal is marrying Reese Witherspoon. And then Ryan Philippe, Felipe, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. Ryan Felipe makes him sound like he's a waiter in a Spanish restaurant. Hello, my name is Ryan Felipe. I have <laughs> come to have sex with your family. Uh, it, Apparently, they bought matching outfits for their dogs, too. I, really? Are you kidding me? <laughs> okay, maybe I don't find him as desirable. I am... Um, See, I don't even really know that it's. I don't even know that it's Scarlett Johansson, though. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, I guess as a guy, I sort of, I, I sort of regret the fact that Scarlett Johansson is off the market. But I mean, what are you going to do? I, I don't. I'm trying to think if Scarlett Johansson is really. Who would you? Let me ask you this, sir. Who would you say uh, for girls in your age group? Who would you say is the guy who's at the top of the heap right now? Is it? Is it? Uh, would you say that it's Jake Gyllenhaal? I would think so. I don't really know, though. I mean, that's. I mean, I would. I'm trying to think if Scarlett Johansson is considered the most desirable woman by guys in my in my sort of general. I would say age Jake Gyllenhaal is very high up there. Yeah. I mean, I would. I would say that they were comparable. I would say. I mean, maybe it is Scarlett Johansson because I mean, the, the, the people who used to be on the list, 
you know, are not anymore. I mean, certainly Britney Spears isn't on the list. Lindsay Lohan's not on the list. Jennifer Connelly, I would say, is no longer on the list. And somehow, over the last year, guys really fell out of love with Jessica Alba. I would say that, too. Well, she makes crap movies, and she just seems kind of like a bitch. She, and she just seems so stunningly dumb. I mean, she, I mean, she's got the brains of a box of rocks. Uh, you can just tell. Uh, and also, isn't she all pregnant? Didn't she just have a kid? She just had a kid. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that sort of immediately makes you less attractive, I think, to the average guy. So... In any well, maybe I think it might just be Scarlett Johansson uh, by default. So, all right, here's Tim Riley. The L.A. County Sheriff's Department is beeping up patrols along the Malibu beaches in response to online threats of violence surrounding the paparazzi. A photographer and a beachgoer were hurt over the weekend, and four photogs were hurt Sunday in scuffles interrupted between them and the locals. Investigators determined that extra patrols are needed because of the trouble last weekend, and after reviewing hundreds of online postings on the X-17 and TMZ websites. Malibu Mayor Pamela Ulrich and L.A. County Sheriff Lee Baker are forming a task force to address what they're calling a new breed of paparazzi whose actions sometimes put the public at risk in pursuit of their suspects. Scuffle sounds like the name of a dog in an adorable children's book. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, how you doing? What's up? Yeah, I got information. You were talking about uh, lighthouses, right? Yes. Earlier? Yeah, that used to be a. They used to be run by a thing called the U, uh, U.S. Lighthouse Service, and which is now the Coast Guard. But but those guys had a horrible life out there. They worked like twenty-hour days. But I mean, they, what, what is the work that you're doing if you're on a lighthouse? Okay, back then they were they had to keep the light burning because it was oil, and they had to keep it full. Right. And they were also the U.S. Weather Service. They were constantly doing uh, weather. Uh, reports uh, because they were all along the coast and there was no weather service and they were also the coast guard they were out saving you know the lighthouses were at the most dangerous points of the coast so they had ships sinking all the time out there so it actually wasn't the life of ease that i was fantasizing oh, no 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 it was horrible it was absolutely horrible and they had crews of uh you know, like three or four uh, people that would switch off and uh, they'd live in little towns that are around the lighthouse but uh, no it was a horrible horrible job and then they uh US Coast Guard took them over and you know over time they were all uh, mechanicalized and they were you know disbanded but no those guys I mean they were they were truly the heroes and they were really So this is once again automation ruining everything good yeah, well, they got automatic weather stations and they got automatic lights and stuff, but when they didn't have that yeah. kind of stuff, you had to do it manually. All right. But anyway, you. the other thing I wanted to talk to you yes, about sir. was your desire to be alone. Yes. Oh, my God. I can't believe how how much I have started that desire, too. <laughs> I, I just, I, I work 60 hours a week, and when I get off work, I don't want to hear a human voice. <laughs> I don't want to leave the house. Tim is giving you a big thumbs up, by the way. <laughs> oh, my, it, it's incredible. And uh, Seriously, it's like you want to be like Burgess Meredith in the Twilight Zone, just eating lunch in the bank vault by yourself. <laughs> exactly. You know, I've got about a thousand movies at home and I've got uh, my games and just the thought of talking to another human being. <laughs> it's, just, it's just repugnant. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. There you go. Could we all be more defective? Really, honestly. Uh, I it, think we're starting a national trend. Maybe. Or maybe we're just sort of tapping into something that's already there. I mean, we this are. is really... You were talking about how... Um, I guess in some, and I hate to keep going back to this because it makes us sound like we're all just, it makes us sound like we're full of ourselves, but that you know, going back to how I guess there was some, like a radio consultant who the other day was giving some seminar or whatever, whatever I don't even know if that, some sort of meeting with the other DJs here at Portland, and I guess they played some segment 
from this show. Yes. And what do they say? They said that we found our inner personality. Our inner personality, whatever. And I think that when they say finding your inner personality, I think that's just code for not pretending to be like a happy jackass on the radio when you when you don't feel like it. For not being that guy. Hey, so uh, here we are. Glad to be here. And what we're gonna we're gonna play uh, some Spiral Gyra coming up next hour. It's a beautiful Portland day outside. I mean, because sometimes you just feel like that, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't feel like a giggling nitwit. Uh, and in radio, there's just so much pressure. I think now, especially with just the increased, I mean, just the increased sort of corporate, I mean, I'm not saying corporations are bad, but I mean, it's just, with the increased sort of money that's on the line for everything, just everybody's, there is all of this pressure to just constantly be uh, just like a smiling nitwit when you get on the air, because you don't ever want to offend anybody, and you don't ever want to say anything that rubs people the wrong way, and you don't want to say anything that makes people uncomfortable or awkward at any time. And so you just get like, it just gets blander and blander and blander and less and less interesting and more and more predictable, which is why, I, I will, let me put it this way, I will say, I won't say what I was going to say, I will say what Tim said yesterday off the air, which is that this is really, this is the format in which I think there is just the most realism at this point, uh, where you, the talk radio is, I would say, the last great radio format in which you're going to hear somebody who sounds remotely like a human being. Because once things fall out of your mouth, it's too late to put them back in. <laughs> Because we're not pre-taping our breaks. I mean, if you're talking for four hours a day, things just fall out into the general public that normally a DJ would not allow to happen. Yes, that this is, is not can. That is true. Because we're not recording all. We're not recording all of our segments into the audio box. Going back and taking out every taking out every breath and syllable that might sound wrong. Um, so, in a, so I, I think in a way, while we're, while it is nice to have that said about us or to get that compliment which we'll certainly take in a way we almost don't deserve the compliment because i don't even really think it's that we've somehow found our inner voice it's just that i haven't bothered to construct a fake outer voice which is what most djs do right that's what most and i hate to pick on djs and radio people in general it's not that like we have somehow found like some inner truth that we're sharing with the people it's just that I just don't think any of us at this point uh, in our career, or at least in this format, certainly care enough to construct some like fake, always happy, always sunshiny and bright outer persona. But 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 you know what? I, I think when we first started in this business, there were three like different types of voices in every market. Three different types of voices, and we just didn't fall into any of those three different types of voices. And, and I just I wasn't able to do it. Um, and I think uh, you know there was there was the, the big dumb rock and roll DJ big voice guy. You know you know who really nailed this is um, as he did with so many things. He's in the movie Private Parts, which we've talked about a lot over the last few days. When when Howard is at I guess DC 101 or whatever it is, and he meets that guy, the Duke of Rock. <laughs> that guy gone. This is the Duke of Rock. If you can't be good, be bad, baby. I have worked with that guy. In so many markets, I not you know that guy obviously, but that guy, uh, it's the Duke of Rock. Here's Foghat. I have worked with that guy in so many incarnations and at so many different radio stations, and I just, I just can't, I just can't do that. I don't think I, even if I tried, I don't think I could. I mean, when I tried to be like an idiot top forty DJ, it never, it never worked. Uh, when I tried to be, it's like a regular, like straight morning host. I couldn't do it, which is sort of why I. And then I think it's a, I think that's a pretty common story in talk radio too. The people who end up in talk radio often end up there because they can't. I could not do the, you know, play six songs an hour and keep my talk break short and it, it say what's on the liner card and nothing else. I just don't have that ability. So in any event, um, oh, but so my point was, 
when you said that we're starting a national trend of being isolationist and hating everybody else. I don't really think that we're starting a national trend. I do suspect that there's a lot of people who feel that way all the time. I mean, I think this country is probably full of people who just, at the end of the day, and I don't mean like a figurative, that literally, when the day is over, want to just go home, and they want to press a button, and they want to have soundproof steel shutters descend over their house, like Will Smith and I Am Legend. And I just, have plantation shutters. That's pretty close. And just Now, what are those? Are those like the Spanish style? No, th those are the ones that you, you push up on this lever. And oh, and they go, chunk, yep. and they slam shut. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so they're like big slats, yeah, right? Big yeah. Slats. And I mean, I think a lot of people, when, they, they, when they're done with work, especially because most people are not like us, in that most people have jobs they despise. Sarah, can I say that? I won't say her name. Yeah. Sarah has a friend of hers who just celebrated her what anniversary at the job? I, don't, I think some of them listen. Oh. And she loves that job. She loves it. More than anything. <laughs> but there are other people we know who don't like their jobs. And I mean, you know, you're stuck eight hours a day at some job you hate with some jackass boss and some a-hole guy next to you and some idiot, you know, creepy manager that's always hovering over your shoulder. And it's like you get done and you just want to go home and you just want to be left alone. I mean, you just want people to, 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 I mean, especially if you have to take public transportation or, you, you know, if you have to do anything like that. And I think... You know, the great and bad thing about America is that we are just, there's so, and I don't mean to be some, like some guy who's anti-technology, of course, but there's just like so much invasion of your personal space now, even when you don't want it invaded. Uh, and I hate to be another guy bitching about cell phones, because I got a cell phone, I got a Blackberry, everybody does, we all use them. But I mean, I was at, um, where was I the other day? I was at some place where you would not expect there just to be a lot of... I mean, it was like at the post office or something. I mean, it was like standing in line to mail something or whatever. And you figure, you know, there's the conversation between the person and the teller and whatever. But, of course, I was bracketed on either side by two people who were having really, really loud, top-of-their-lungs phone conversations. I hate that. Which, and I get there's just no going back. I'm not saying, like, oh, the good old days, there is no going back to the good old days. There is no turning back the clock. There is no stopping those things. It is, so I'm not saying, it's just the way it is. And But I do think a result of that is, even if you are not talking to people, don't you feel like this? Even if you're not talking to people a lot of the time during the day, you at the when, when, when your day is finished, you feel like you have spent all day talking to people because you are constantly surrounded by the conversations of other people. Yes. So, all right. Anyway, so I don't think we're creating it. I just don't. I think that there are a few outlets in the media where you can just hear people sort of speaking honestly about such things so anyway i'm just the point is it takes very very little for us to look good here's tim riley so now that the times of london is saying this and it is a reputable news media mm -hmm. and it's like the new york times of the uk so i feel safe in saying that madonna is reportedly talking to a divorce lawyer it's not the sun i believe that yesterday <laughs> I'm sorry, but, but Tim. I, I hate wait. to say that, but I wait uh -huh. until I, I, I think it's a reputable. Because accuracy is job one here. That's correct, yes. And we are journalists. <laughs> so now she has sought, according to the Times of London, has sought the legal counsel of Fiona Shackleton, the divorce lawyer who represented Paul McCartney during his recent split with Heather Mills. And apparently, this is about a possible divorce from her husband of seven years, Guy Ritchie. Uh, Rep. for Madonna tells Access Hollywood... No comment at this time. Uh -huh. Madonna's worth $590 million, and the couple does not have a prenup. Well, do they, I mean, do prenups in, well, they're married in Britain, or are they married here? Oh, that's a good question. Because I wonder if the legal system works the same way as it does here. Hmm. Uh, well, in any event. So I believe that yesterday, when it was just a scurrilous rumor, but so, 
but I mean, it's worthwhile. It's worth it in noting that nobody has really denied it. I mean, neither camp has really said it's not the case. Mm-hmm. So, well, that means we won't get to have uh, we won't get to have swept away too, Tim. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Regrettably, damn it all to hell. Ah, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. You know, Rick. Earlier, you were talking about the Mosquito Coast. Yes, sir. And then uh, just uh, ten minutes ago, you went for an ice break, and then you start ranting about how ice is what separates us from the savages. I swear, you took that conversation straight out of. The I hadn't really thought coast. about that, but that's true. The in the Mosquito Coast, there's this Harrison Ford's family. They want to leave America behind and just start over, so they go to the jungle and. There's a subplot where Harrison Ford is fat. He wants to find a group of sort of, of jungle, well, like a tribe in the jungle that has never seen ice. And he's fascinated by being by being there to show them ice for the first time and to see their reaction to it. He builds this big ammonia-based refrigerator and, like, blows snow out. You just, you know, so you're, you're kind of, you know, trending that direction. Just remember how that show ended with the seagull eating its eyeball out of his head. So, you know, he made, <laughs> You may not want to go too far in that direction, but thanks for ruining it for everybody. Uh oh. Yeah, only well, that might have happened. Only dead uh, things float downstream. Thanks so much. <laughs> now, the enduring image from the Mosquito Coast of just their house abandoned with just the door open and the curtains blowing and the family is just gone, it has really stayed with me for years. Ever since I saw that, and I do, I will, I will say, if someday if you turn on the radio and the theme music plays and I just never and I you never hear my voice. It's just I do have this fantasy of just uh, where I am sort of a third person viewer and I'm seeing my own home where I have just vanished in the dead of night and just left everything behind. So, so someday if you hear that dream theater and then there's a long awkward pause where my speech ought to be, check my house. Here's Tim Riley. A, a giant squid has been found floating off the California coast. Really? It is a rare 25 foot long giant squid. Sweet. It's been copped up in Montego Bay, meaning it's it's dead. They're uh, taken ashore uh, to uh, examine its remains. The researchers found the squid 20 miles out. Seagulls were feeding on its carcass. Uh, Marine biologist says only a handful have been found in California waters. The squid has been taken to the Long Marine Lab for an autopsy. Researchers say the giant squid can grow between 50 and 60 feet in length. Uh, that's fantastic. It can weigh a ton. Imagine that. A New Jersey surgeon's medical license has been suspended after state regulators found he removed the wrong lung from a patient. Aww. And he tried to conceal his error. <laughs> How would you conceal it? You just, like, just fill the cavity up with socks? <laughs> Hold on a second. Let me fill you full of packing peanuts. Uh, apparently, the uh, doctor uh, moved a portion of the patient's right lung when he should have been removing a tumor from the left lung. According to the board, he then told the patient that the right lung contained a life-threatening tumor, but there was no such growth. He also altered the patient's records to show he intended to operate on the right lung. Uh, the board says it is a tragic error. Could have been prevented if the doctor used the most basic and minimal actions. His lawyer is on vacation and cannot comment. But I mean that sucks because it's because you're hosed then, right? Because not only did they take out the wrong, and then they can't put that back. Can no. you get a lung transplant? Yeah, you can. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, okay. So maybe you could get somebody else's lung. Because mm-hmm. I was going to say that's that's like that guy where they took the wrong testicle out, and so they so on the one hand you you lost the right testicle, on the other hand they still have to go back and take the one that was bad. So you're kind of ballless at that point. Uh, so this um, so okay. Well, I mean, so all he needs to wait through, you know is somebody else to get snuffed, and then they can he can have their lung. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Take a new one if you ask nicely. An Air India flight soared past its destination on June 4th as its pilots dozed off in the cockpit. The napping pilots flew 359 miles past their destination (laughs) and was still at cruising altitude when nervous air traffic controllers woke them up. 
The flight, which was on autopilot, had about 100 passengers on board. Uh, the Indian uh, officials uh, deny the report, saying the plane lost radio contact with oh. their traffic control. I know how you feel about news time. from India. Though. And it flew only 14 miles off coast. Well, that's quite a difference between 359 <laughs> and 14 miles. We deny the report. No incident took place. We checked our records. Uh, some pilots and air traffic controllers argue Air India is trying to cover up the pilot's mistake. And I do love the idea that 14 miles, of course, is still acceptable. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, like, for example, at the San Diego airport, in which I had to uh, fly a couple weeks ago, 14 miles puts you in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. 14 miles off course will put you in international waters at the bottom of the sea. All right. Uh, let's see here. Oh, A 12-year-old girl in New Jersey was brutally attacked by her uncle's 18-year-old girlfriend in a squabble over the MySpace. Police say Stephanie Torres was irated after finding the girl erased a comment from the 18-year-old's MySpace page and stabbed the child three times with an inch-long folding knife hanging from her keychain. The girl had a wound to the neck, arm, and rib. She's in stable condition. I saw everything soaked with blood, said the girl's grandmother. Uh, uh, Torres uh, allegedly scooped up her dog and ran from the scene in her car after the attack. She was stopped by police near the hospital. It wasn't clear if she planned to go inside. Uh, she's been charged twice in the past with assault and is charged with aggravated assault with weapons possession charges. Her bail is $75,000. An Australian bridegroom was horrified to learn after he walked down the aisle that he was already married, and this happened after a drunken holiday romance that he can't remember at all. The husband had to confess in the family court that he spent 28 days partying and drinking in Arizona in 1978 on leave from his job as a cook on an oil rig. He can remember a nice blonde American woman he met uh, through a pen pal newspaper advertisement, but little more than that. He has no recollection of going through any form of ceremony of marriage with her or discussing marriage or anything referring to marriage, said the uh, Justice Sally Brown. She annulled the marriage last month, and this happened in 1978? Hmm. Not only that, but the man who described himself as an old-fashioned romantic was already married at the time for a wife of 14 years. Yesterday, the 67-year-old, who cannot be identified, told the Daily Telegraph the sky fell in when he was shown the Arizona marriage license. I looked at the signature. I thought it could be mine, but it couldn't have been. The man has since divorced his uh, 1966 wife. It was then he married his Hawaiian girlfriend in 2006 and applied to live in Hawaii with her that the U.S. immigration officials broke the bad news. He said his latest wife, who had uh, become his girlfriend again because their marriage was declared invalid, is very understanding. Uh, by the way, uh, let's see here. So I have, uh, so this is um, Christopher Chapman and... Adrian Middleton uh, are going to be in the mar. They're going to be the. Uh, there's an article about them in the Portland Mercury that I'll be uh, that I'll be posting. They do. It's sort of like a uh, and it's like a fitness boot camp kind of a thing. But they're going to come in tomorrow and, and poke and prod me to, to find out exactly how out of shape I am. So that'll be um, tomorrow around uh, two o'clock. That'll be taking place. Uh, we'll do some more stories here. We'll break here in a while. Uh, we'll come back. Uh, Dorothy Carcassari, uh, top five. All that to come. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Why, hello, sir. What's up? Uh, hey, three things. Um, there's a uh, Viso sighting at the uh, bookstore at TCC at the uh, Sylvania campus. Excellent. I found it very interesting that they have uh, they have the Viso in a uh, a monster energy drink uh, cooler. They've taken out everything and put in just Viso. Excellent. Good for them. Um, number two, uh, the people kind of used to go crazy uh, in the White Houses because not only uh, well, they by themselves, and uh, they had to listen to that. I don't know if you know anything about lighthouses, but in the fog, they have that noise that they make. Mm. That uh -huh. Well, they yeah. made that uh, like every 30 seconds. 
I guess so, that and it is loud. <laughs> so you're like you're loud. Able, well, yes, like, yes, it is. So, you have to be able to hear it on the other side of the ocean. <laughs> I guess if you were ten feet away, that would be that there would the volume there would be substantial. So this whole this whole thing about you sitting in a chair reading a book, looking out at sea, um, you would go crazy. Imagine trying um, to have a phone call. Well, and there you go. I Why need to order a large walk? pizza. Half yeah. of it needs. That's correct. Uh, and pepperoni. Is, uh, yeah. <laughs> Could you get delivery out there? Tom? No, I don't believe. That's the other question. I mean, do you have to like they bring you food <laughs> once a month on a boat or something? All right. Uh, yes. What's your... uh, yeah, they, uh, they supply that. The other thing is yes. the uh, the Fresnel lenses that, that would you know, uh, put the light out there. Those used to be they would sit on a pool of mercury for a frictionless surface. So uh, you would go slightly crazy from oh mercury. from mercury poisoning. Yeah. All right. Now, so perhaps not the uh, not the gl not the glorious Norman Rockwell existence that I was dreaming of. Uh, that is correct. Uh, right. One last thing: who came up with uh, the new phrase, the talker? Uh, well, I, it was sort of a truncation. Do you want to hear the whole story? Um, well, sure. would you like to hear what they would you like to hear what they almost called it? Uh, sure. Why this not? is this is the um. So we had, and when I say they, we had to run. We had all of these names that we brainstormed here on the show, and we had yeah, the, I heard that yeah. something this and the whatnot that, and we had yeah. the and PDX talk, which we tried to have at some point, and then legal told us to get bent. Sure. Um. And so what we had is we submitted all of these names to CBS Legal, who really are in many ways kind of the, the ultimate authority on all of this. Uh -huh. And we had suggested a whole bunch of names, and then Legal said, here are the ones that are possibilities, here's the ones you can't use because somebody else has trademarked them, here are possible, and let me just say this, I really... I really do. Uh, I respect our legal department. I'm glad they're there because they keep us out of. They keep us from inadvertently killing our listeners with water consumption contests. Uh -huh. But sometimes when they give you creative suggestions for things, some of those things ought to be uh, has left on the cutting room floor. So one of the suggestions they gave to us was AM 970, the big talker. No. That's what I'm saying. So whatever one might think of the talker. Imagine this. Imagine hearing this like 50 times a day. You're listening to AM970, the big talker, uh -huh. which really does just sound, that's a whole lot of compensating there. So Sure, yeah. Anyway, so the goal was to find something about which there could be absolutely no confusion in terms of the uh -huh. station format. So so there you go. So that was it was a truncation of the big talker. Because I will say this, it's not like I'm the great and all-powerful Oz, but really, as long as, I'm, as long as I can draw breath, the station's not going to be called the big anything. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be the big talker, not going to be the big yap, not going to be the big yak, it's not going to be the big mouth. There's going to be no the big anything while I am here. So, all right. Let's do uh, one more story and then we'll take a break. Well, not satisfied with the current level of savagery, a record number of Americans now condone torture. Now, WorldOpinion.org shows the figure is now 44% compared to a 2006 survey that said only 36% wanted torture. It indicates that a narrow majority of 53% think all torture should be banned. The latest poll is part of an international survey of public attitudes in torture, which finds nearly 60% of respondents in 19 countries oppose it under all circumstances. Torture. I Ameri barely knew her. But Americans love it in growing numbers. Well, of course. What's not to love, Tim? True. All right. Shall we take a break? Oh, yeah. Fantastic. When we come back, uh, we will... Oh, you gave me this list from the AFI. This is the um, this is the top ten moments in a film that include the Portland area. 
You remember giving this to me? A long time ago. Yeah, like uh, was a couple days ago. All right, we'll do that. Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. More from Tim Riley. Later on, you, yes, you, will take the place of the vacation to Mr. Skin, and we'll do the top five gun songs. Stay there. Here's Mother Love Bone. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming along. Here in just a short while, we will talk to uh, National Cor- uh, National Correspondent, National Enquirer Correspondent, Dorothy Carcassari. We'll have the top five gun songs on the way. This, however, is Tim Riley. And now, though, from the Ministry of okay. Truth, this is Tim Riley. Ministry of Truth. <laughs> you sign off differently every time, Jillian. Like, here's Tim Riley. Okay, it's all part of the glory of live radio. I don't know what just happened. Hi, Tim. How are you? Well, we're here anyway. Should excerpt that breakout. Send that to the consultant. Well, aren't we all excited? It's time to go back to the moon. NASA is beefing up its next generation of moon rocket. They're going to uh, unveil a redesign of a proposed rocket, uh, saying the Eris. Five spacecraft. I thought that we were. I thought that they had just gotten rid of all of that stuff. Yeah, but they brought in some more. Okay. They will not be deterred. They they want to go back to these planets. The rocket is about 20 feet longer than an old rocket. Uh, the manager of the project is at the Marshall Space Center. The new design would make the uh, rocket capable of carrying 15,000 pounds into orbit. It's 361 feet long, about the size of the original Saturn V rocket that went to the moon. Or roughly the size of a 38-story building. Nobody cares about going to the moon anymore. No. Yet this NASA place is so big, nobody knows what anybody else is doing. So even if they're told not to go back to the moon, there's still people planning on doing. Well, stuff. this is like that. It will week, not be stopped. Last week, everybody was all on Twitter because we found them. Um, because they say they found like a piece of ice or something on Mars. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what it was at Mars last week? We found ice. Yeah. And I know maybe it just makes me. I don't know. Maybe it makes me unimaginative that I just don't care. I mean, the idea. I mean, didn't we always know that there was ice in outer space? Aren't Saturn's rings, in fact, made out of ice? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I mean, I know I just went on a whole thing the other day, like last hour, about the magic of ice, because I was able to go to the refrigerator and cool my viso. But I think that space is, I mean, for example, uh, comets are made of ice. So the idea that we somehow found ice on Mars is just one of those things that I think guys in particular, and a certain kind of guy, that every time there's some story about how they might have found a piece of ice on a planet somewhere, it's like it is, it is as though it's the second coming of Christ. And I just, I don't really understand that, but I don't know. Maybe I just, maybe I don't know how to dream. Well, listen to this. Three million pieces of uh, movie posters, magazines, and photos. All kinds of old Hollywood memorabilia is about to be auctioned off. There are about uh, three million film studio publicity stills, 50,000 movie posters, 20,000 vintage fan magazines. They're going to be stored in a warehouse until they're auctioned off months from now. It's a huge cache of memorabilia. Uh, gathered over the past 43 years by film fan and collectible dealer Malcolm Willits. It includes original scripts from the studio, contracts signed by actors such as Boris Karloff, Frank Sinatra, Vincent Price. Karloff? Mm-hmm. Sorry. Finish that sentence. <laughs> and Elizabeth <That's> Taylor. <laughs> He's not fit. No, I won't finish that part. Rotten hell for all I care. The collection is housed in the storefront on Hollywood Boulevard near the Pantages Theater. It's considered by some experts to be second in size only to that of the Academy of Motion Pictures. Sidekick? 
Some Hollywood figures are less appreciative of the memorabilia. They ran afoul with the Academy Awards people in the 1980s when they auctioned off Marlon Brando's Oscar from On the Waterfront. It was sold uh, for about uh, half a million dollars or something like that. One poster sold for $5,000. Incredible, since the movie only cost $3,000 to make in 1924. So uh, there's plenty of good stuff to be auctioned off there. Uh, why, hello, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir or madam, as the case may be. Hey, Rick. Hey, all. This, this is the dying guy. Long time no talk to you guys. Yes. Every time you say this, I have this whole conversation in my head about how we need to get you a sounder, and then I realize how incredibly awkward that would be, and then I decide that it's probably not a good idea. And then the next time you call back, the whole conversation begins anew in my brain about whether you need some sort of introductory piece. Well, I think at this point I'm just going to decide against it permanently. Well, I, I would appreciate that because I've decided I'm not going to die anytime soon. All right. Um, contrary to what the doctors say. However, that's not why I called. The reason I called is I wanted to tell you how much I appreciate your genius with the pop culture and the thing and the stuff and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing um, like a well thought out and constructed comment. Yes. Well, I'm I'm just eyeball deep in some morphine right now, and I'm going to keep this short and at least as interesting as possible. Is the morphine on a drip, or do they give you that in the pill? I have the pills, the quick acting pills, and then I take OxyContin for the long acting stuff. Excellent. But uh, it's either that or I lay around screaming all day. Let's hear more about my genius. Well, yes, your genius is is long, deep, and wide. <laughs> that's that's where it all kind of goes. Now, yeah, at the end of that. All right, thank you, sir. Well, he's being medicated. <laughs> he's on morphine, <laughs> and he's from Barcelona. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. How can I help you today? Hello. Hello. How are you doing, Mrs. Kiki? Hello. Hi. I'm seriously seeking Sarah for a question. Yeah. She's right here. Fortunately for all of us. What well, wasn't that convenient, Sarah? I'm going to fly over the Pacific for about five hours. How do you get your little bottles on the, on board the jet? Okay, well, yeah, they let you bring a quart, um, you know, a quart-sized plastic bag, and I just fill mine full of mini bottles because they can't take it away from you if they're unopened. So just go to the go to the liquor store, buy you know the liquor of your choice, and the just, little teeny ones. Yeah, the little teeny ones because if it's you know less than three ounces, which they're like like. They're oh, an and a half they allow that then. Okay, I thought there was a federal offense or something. No, 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 they let you, but, I mean, they just look at you kind of snottily, and you're like... They look oh, at you like you're an alcoholic. I, again, I do not give a crap. I'm like, I'll never see you again. Give an I'm going to see my vodka in five minutes. Uh, so uh, when are you flying and to where? It's, I'm going to... Uh, an, I, I'm not going to lay in the... List the island, but I'm going to an island. And are you not listing the island because you're afraid that we're going to follow you there? No, I'd love you to follow me there, but um, some other people might... Listening. Okay. You know, you are you flying it. to evade? Are you, are you running for the IRS or perhaps uh, the ATF? The Garden Islands. What can I say? All yeah. right. Okay, so that's how you do it. You buy mini bottles, and as long as they're sealed and as long as, you know, right. they don't think there's anything weird in there, you just put them in a bag and whatever. Right. And I think that even, there was this time, this horrible time when they were actually selling you those plastic bags, but I think that time has passed and they actually give you those bags when you're at the airport now. Hilarious. I plan to be prepared way before then, so that's, I've got my plastic bags. Well, there you and go. my favorite is to go through, you know, get through security and then you have your bottles and go to McDonald's or something and buy a soda, then go to the bathroom and pour oh. a few of those babies in there. Get oh, ready for the flight. It's awesome. <laughs> Does it bother you that people yes. think of you in terms of smuggling alcohol, Sarah? That I you're the one flying. who comes That's, to mind. I've, I've gotten on medication to try and help me with my fear of flying, and the only thing that has ever helped me is vodka. Really? Is that true? Even Absolutely. more so than like a Valium or whatever? Mm -hmm. I can't. My body powers through pills. I can't. I, I the fear overrides. 
Excellent. All right. Well, there you go. Never say the Rick Emerson show doesn't make your life better. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Thanks. Thank oh. you. Travel safe. Thank you. Very All right. May the sheets not be red and moist where you're lying. All right. Thank you. I stole that joke uh, when I was flying out of San Diego. Joni sent me a text message and said that. All right. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hi. It's Dorothy Carson uh, from the National Enquirer. Dorothy Carson, you're on. You're on one of the lines reserved for the common people. <laughs> Am I a commoner today? No, but I mean, it's normally you're on the the special secret uh, bat phone number that the we give to people. VIP line. Have have I have I been? Uh... You're on, this is the line that we just give to the rabble, and then here you are. Oh, jeez. Well, right. I'm, I'm I'm trying out what it's like to be a, a regular old person today. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? So, did you just what number uh, did you dial the number that Richie gave you, or did you dial a different number? I dialed the hotline number that I have. Or no, I dialed the number that Richie called me from. I think. All right, hold on. Let's let's welcome let, Richie Bristol. Can you join us here in the studio for a second? No, seriously. <laughs> Am I, I going to be in trouble? No, 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 no. You're absolutely in no trouble. No, you have a golden glow and a halo around you that <laughs> can never be besmirched. Is uh, Richie going to be in trouble? Well, well, that remains to be seen. <laughs> So, Richie, not that I really care, but I'm just, I never understand. Here's the reason I'm asking this, Dorothy, is because we have a lot of people that join us via the telephone. Uh, we have you, you, we have a lot of other guests, we have people from CNN Radio who call us. And then I feel bad, because, and I think this has actually happened to you, where certain people will call the studio, but then it's like they end up on some weird perma hold in some backwater tide pool of the CBS Portland phone system, like in another part of town. Yes, that sounds familiar. And so so wh- how is it that Dorothy is on this line? Virginia? Now I figure it out because I called my own phone that if I call out on the hotline or warm line, which is all the same line, it goes 733-2970 on the caller ID. Is that true? So if you're calling out on the guest line, which is the warm line, right. that it shows up as the regular call-in number? Uh-huh. That's kind of weird. Not, you not, got, you guys got to get some tech people in there to, to hook that station up. That's just that's that's sort of odd, actually, because well, I think because if, if anyone you know, then everyone could see what our hotline number was. Yeah, but I mean, but I always assumed that before it was our five one seven number up front where Dave answers. That's what was the number on caller ID. So if you call out, it's changed on its own. Okay, so the caller ID, if you call from anywhere on this bank of lines, the caller ID is the regular call-in number. Yes, I believe okay. so. It, so. It was the old one, like Dave Zinn's number. Okay, so you would call Dorothy, and Dorothy, uh, bless your heart, just called the number the, the number that you, that you saw there, the number that Richie called you from. Exactly. All right, okay. Thank you, Richie. Okay. All right, there we go. <laughs> Sorry, Richie. Not at all. No, no, no. It's just, uh, we, you know, here's the thing. If we don't know what the problem is, we don't know who to beat. Uh, so that's really why we're trying to figure that out most of the time. Well, please don't beat Richie. Oh, well, well, all right. Too late. Uh, I was just going to say, just just for you, we'll postpone it for a week. How's uh, how's life at the National Enquirer? How are the Hamptons, Dorothy Carcassari? Life, the, the Hamptons are good. The Hamptons are a lot of fun. They're, you know, definitely a fun little scene. You go out there and, you know, you can't just throw on a bikini and flip-flops and go to the beach. You have to have your Gucci flip-flops and your Chanel sunglasses. And, you know, it's it's a lot of fun, though. Well, I didn't know what to buy the next time I went out there, but now I know that I have to buy Gucci flip-flops and put that on my list. <laughs> put, that, right. put that on your shopping list. So you were, now, the last time we spoke, you were not really able to describe why you were going out there. You had to be sort of oblique about it. But it is, uh, I think, can we now say that it's because of this Christy Brinkley thing that's happening? We can definitely say that. So what is it? So the, the thing I read is that, so like her, so she's married and her husband is like getting it on with somebody else. And is it true that the husband at one point, this is I guess alleged or maybe it's true, actually forked over 300 grand to this to his mistress or whoever she was? This is what's being reported, that he did in fact give her $300,000 to 
basically avert a sexual harassment case because this, this girl, Diana Bianchi, was his assistant. The, she's the mistress, the other woman in the case. Right. Uh, and now that the divorce is going to trial, which it looks like it's, it's going to go to trial, this whole thing is kind of just coming right back into the limelight. And we had a chance to go out to the Hamptons and chat with her uncle and chat with her grandmother. And uh, her uncle didn't have a lot of nice things to say about Christy Brinkley's ex-husband, Peter Cook. It's interesting. Whenever, like, for example, Christy Brinkley or I think Heather Locklear is the same way, when you sort of, when you see a very high-profile person like this who is being divorced for, you know, like the second time, like with Christy Brinkley, you wonder if Billy Joel is sitting at home somewhere just watching a television, just sort of chuckling darkly to himself and drinking, you know, like, just like drinking a gin and tonic and being glad that it's not him this time around. You do kind of wonder what the other people kind of in this whole situation think about it. You know, even, even for example, Katie Lee Joel, you know, his new wife. You know, here she is, this young, beautiful woman, and, you know, she's with Billy now, and look what's happening to Billy's ex-wife. It's definitely a crazy soap opera of sorts. Uh, by the way, so we're looking at the nationalenquirer.com, and there's this uh, there's a video presentation here at the bottom. This is from the Peabody Awards. Yes, that's our new video. So we're really crack, cracking these videos out. We had Chubby Checker last week, who we interviewed, and then this week we have posted the Peabody Awards, where we had a chance to talk with Tina Fey, who won a Peabody for 30 Rock. We also spoke with Heidi Klum, Tim Gunn, Nina Garcia. Uh, we spoke with Bob Woodruff. We, we spoke with a lot of people. Oh, so Stephen Colbert? Stephen Colbert, exactly. When so you, interviewing Stephen Colbert, is, it always, is, is there always just sort of the fear that, we, that you're being made fun of without really knowing it? You know, I didn't really get that vibe from him, but it was my first time interviewing him. And I would say, overall, it was he was a very unpredictable interview. Like, he was kind of throwing me, you know, hooks each second through the interview. But it was a lot of fun. He, he was a funny guy. And I should say, actually, as, as we sort of uh, wrap this up, it would be wrong of us to, to overlook this. I'm looking here at the, the, the right in the middle section of NationalEnquirer.com where it says, CBS News, Laura Logan Divorce War. And as Tim Riley, our news director, put it, that she was, and I hate to have to use this pun, but it's sort of legally required, that she was embedded uh, when she was in Iraq. So is this the deal that she was covering something in Iraq and, I don't know, and she was kind of getting it on with like nine different guys while she was over there? Is that the allegation? Uh, yeah, you know, she's been married for over a decade, and it seems that she has been kind of dabbling in other relationships of sorts with other uh, news guys that, that are, you know, working and reporting on the war and that sort of thing. This is a really big story. It's something that we broke. Um, a newspaper in New York had it on its front page today, uh, you know, with no attribution to us whatsoever. But this came out in the Inquirer uh, here in New York on Wednesday. So this is definitely a big story. And if you pick up the Inquirer, you can read all about it. It seems like uh, it's definitely not all work and no play for Lara Logan. Excellent. Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Always a pleasure. We will talk to you next week, Dorothy. Okay, please check out the video at nationalenquirer.com of the Peabody Awards. Excellent. Will do. You go to nationalenquirer.com. It's right there at the bottom of the page. Thank you. That's uh, Dorothy Carcassari. Excellent. Wonderful. Fantastic. How is Nothing everybody? Nothing for free in this biz. <sighs> that is true. All right. How's everybody feeling today? Fantastic. Let's go around the room. Let's tech, uh, check everybody's emotional temperature. Sarah, how are you today? I'm doing quite well, although I'm sad that my sister was only here for five, days, right. five hours. Tim? I've never been better. Nothing bothers me. All right. Many, many, many things bother me. How about yourself? Ah, uh, you know, what can you do? Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. I'm grumpy and misanthropic. Here's Tim. A group of British lawmakers said that food maker Heinz is wrong to withdraw a television advertisement that showed two men kissing. 
apparently, Heinz pulled this commercial uh, from uh, the television last week after some viewers complained. The ad depicts a family kitchen scene involving two children, a father and a male deli cook with a New York accent whom the children call mum. <laughs> at the end of the ad... Okay, that's just hilarious. At the end of the ad, the cook kissed the father as he left for work. <laughs> Have you seen that J.C. Penny ad? The, the no. thing that they're trying to claim was a mistake. So there's this, if you can see it on the YouTube, there's this, and it's clearly, I mean, there's people who do viral marketing really well, and there's people who do viral marketing poorly. Uh, because, and I, and here's how I rate viral marketing. I mean, sometimes it's not meant to be a secret. Like all that Batman stuff, the Dark Knight stuff, obviously you're supposed to know. It's not, there's no, there's no secret there. It's not like it's, it's supposed to be, it's not like it's supposed to look accidental. Everybody knows it's for the, for the Dark Knight. Lost is a little bit different in that a lot of that Lost stuff you don't know is advertising or you don't know that it's for the movie Lost. There well, is, they're, yeah, they're really sneaky about it too. They'll sneak in fake commercials and stuff while well, you're you, you don't see it right off. You mm, can't totally. quite tell what it is. And then there's, you know, there's other types of, like, this is why we've never really done any viral marketing for, for this show because I wouldn't even, I wouldn't know how to do it without it just looking retarded. You know, because if you do it wrong, you just look stupid. Uh, I mean, Trent Reznor did a really great, I mean, Trent Reznor for that, you know, for the last about, you know, I don't know, year and a half, two years, Nine Inch Nails has really done a bunch of great viral marketing in terms of getting their new music out or getting sort of interest in the new music. They did that great thing where a, I forget if it was just a single or if it was like the whole album, the whole new Nine Inch Nails album was left on a jump drive, like in a bathroom in a club in Belgium. So there was like a Nine Inch Nails show happening in Belgium. And then some guy went into the bathroom, the whatever, and he sees uh, like a jump drive sitting on like the back of a urinal, like, like, like where you can sit in your glass or whatever. And he's like, hey, it's a jump drive. He takes it home, puts it in, and it's, it's the entire new Nine Inch Nails album. Mastered, done, finished. And which, which of course, then leaked onto the internet from that one guy. And of course, the general consensus is that that was the plan all along: is that they were going to, you know, accidentally leave the new Nine Inch Nails album like in a drive in some bathroom in some pub somewhere. Um, anyway, so there's cool. yeah, so there's good viral marketing and there's bad. So there's this J.C. Penny ad that's on YouTube, uh, which I, I think if you just go to YouTube and type in J.C. Penny, you can probably see it. And so the story is that. The story is that an advertising agency created the ad, showed it to J.C. Penney, and that J.C. Penney said, "Well, no, we would never, we 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 would never authorize such a television ad. It's far too risque." And then that somehow the ad leaked onto the internet accidentally, and J.C. Penney's now apologizing for it. And it's clearly that was the plan all along. Obviously, the plan was for the video to get online. Everybody would become horrified. J.C. Penney would apologize, and then they would get to play both sides of the fence by looking edgy and then looking conservative to parents all at once. So the ad is actually, it's kind of, I was going to say it's cool, but it's also, it makes you, it's one of those ads that makes you feel like a dirty old man uh, because the ad is, there's no, uh, there's, there's no words for most of it. It is just, it cuts back and forth between a teenage boy and a teenage girl, each of them in their own bedroom. In different houses. And they are both, as the ad starts, the teenage boy and girl are both in their underwear. And as the ad goes on, the the boy and the girl are each dressing really quickly. They're putting on their clothes really, really fast. And then at the end of the spot, each of them look at their watch and they check it to see how long it took them to get dressed. And then the ad ends with the girl, I think, leaving her house and saying to her mom... Hey, like, uh, you know, hey, so uh, Jimmy and I are going to go down to the basement and watch a movie or whatever. 
And clearly, so the implication of the ad is, is that the kids are going down to the basement and, like, hump it out, but they're timing how long it'll take them to get dressed if they hear their parents coming down the stairs or, or whatever. And it's just, and, but you, you watching it, it just makes you feel really creepy because you realize that the whole hook of the ad is watching scantily clad teenagers who are preparing to have sex, uh, getting dressed and preparing the cover story. So... Anyway, you can see it on uh, on YouTube, undoubtedly. It's, just, it's one of those ads that really is it's worth watching, if only to see the, 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 the only because it makes you feel uh, uncomfortable. The awkwardness factor alone is worth watching. All right, here's Tim Riley. The password is renewal. According to the Hollywood Reporter, CBS is ordering six more episodes of Million Dollar Password after the hour-long shows do respectable numbers in the advertiser-friendly 18 to 49 demographic. The primetime series is hosted by Regis Philbin. It currently uh, beats all the competition in the ratings. A Million Dollar Password is a remake of the classic Goodman Todman game show hosted many years by the late Alan Ludden. The current version is produced by Fremantle Media North America, which owns the Mark Goodson Library. Wait, so this is when is this even on? I don't know. I was just thinking, <laughs> how is it that it's... You say it's beating all the competition? Yeah. I never. I mean, I makes, maybe this makes me a bad CBS employee. I've never even heard of it. I've never heard of it either. So it's just password. Wait, how is password? I don't even remember what that show is. How? What is? Which one is password? When they when they whisper the password to the first two contestants, uh-huh. and then they give clues to the challengers, and they try to guess the word. In other words, the announcer comes on very quietly. The password is automobile. And then the guy asks his partner, uh, something that you drive. Oh, wait, so uh, hold on. Shaw. So, like, Sarah would know the password, and I wouldn't. Right. And then Sarah gives me clues, and right. I guess at it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do it right now. All right. Give Sarah give Sarah a password. Are I will. Uh, no, 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 I will take off, but make sure the audience can hear it. Okay. So, uh, uh, blah, 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 la, 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 I'm not listening, la, 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 la. The password is orangutan. More than a feeling. More than Welcome to Password, ladies and gentlemen. So, okay, so I give him oh, hints okay. as to help him guess it. Uh-huh. Wait, does this seem like we're doing it backward? Because you know how the game works in Sarah yeah, I don't well, know. I'm the announcer, and I'm giving I'm giving the clue, which I already did. Okay. No, I gave the I gave the secret word, in other words. We're such retards. So is there anything that I'm not supposed to Wait, say? Wait, so... No, just get... Just just, give you hints. can't say the word. You can't say the word. Okay. Can I say, like, what it is? Uh, if, as long as you're not saying the word. Okay, it's a kind of monkey. Mm-hmm. Um, chimpanzee. Bing. <laughs> Wait, was that it? Well, no, that isn't it. Wait, what was the bing sound just now? That means that's wrong. wrong. Oh, really? Oh, you know I have. You know what I just saw uh, this morning sitting here. But for... we we can't play this. We can't play this properly because there has to be another person trying that with their challenger also. Oh. So this is kind of like it. Wait, so there are two people at the same time trying to trying to guess the word? Yes. You know what I just found. I just found that this morning. I don't even know why I own that. Um, wait, so how would... <laughs> and this is the number one show in America. I want, I want the consultant to come and listen to this segment as well. Like, can, so, I, like, can I say what it rhymes with? Wait, hold on. So let, so we would need two other people to really do this properly. Right. Because you would be the announcer, and then it would be two other people. Or, or would, we, would we all be on the mic at the same time? Well, you take turns. If you don't guess it, then it goes to the other couple. All right, we have to find. Uh, we have to get Richie and one other person. Are we sure this isn't a waste of time? No, it's absolutely. This whole show is a waste of time. <laughs> I mean, really? Are you kidding me? Uh, the, now we have to start all over again. We just wasted five <laughs> minutes playing this game. No, this is a this is a great idea. Okay, so 
And I still understand how it works, so I know a password, <laughs> and I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> okay, Richie Bristol, please come in the studio. And grab no, Where, who's ever there. No, we, oh, can just have a, we can have a caller do it. Or is he getting somebody? All right. How, how are we supposed to tell the caller? I don't know. I think these. Well, I wonder what these people could be calling up to this say. This is getting exasperated. Can we play a different game? <laughs> <laughs> it's exhausting. Can we play Tiddlywinks? Can I tell you that I don't know how to play Tiddlywinks? I only know it as a sort of comedic reference. I don't think we can play Tiddlywinks on the air. That probably wouldn't go over well. <laughs> Doesn't Tiddlywinks sound like it ought to be a euphemism for some part of your body? Or why don't we, why don't we just play hot? Mommy, I have to go Tiddlywinks. Can we pull over? All Why right. don't we just play hopscotch? Oh, wait, uh, Big Jim from Rock 101 KUFO. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Rick, I don't well. even know how you think this is going to work. I don't really know either. I, I don't have a second password. We're playing this, password. But this goes on for half an wait, hour. Wait, do we get the same password? Yes. Okay, so you should tell either Jim or Richie. I already know it, so I could... Oh, really? Okay. Oh, that's right. You Richie ever watch Password on TV? A uh, long, long time ago. Yeah, I don't remember how it's played. So we're now going to play an ad hoc game of Password. So... Okay. Uh, now, no, we have to... We have to uh, what are, are there any rules? Well, yes. You can't say the word. You can, that's the only word. Is when you give a rule is when you give a clue. You can't say the word, right? One person has, and I think they're trying to get the other person that's correct. to say it. exactly. Right. So but, Richie has the word. Uh -huh. So you can give a clue, like for example, as as Tim said, if the word was automobile, you could say this is a thing you drive. Okay. Can you make noises? No, uh, no. I think it's only questions, and you can't use the Are actual we word to do it at the same time. Like no, we take, no you take turns. We take turns. Oh, okay. Okay. So uh, Richie, I'll let you go first. A uh, big monkey. Uh, ape? Bah. Funny sounding monkey name. Macaque. Bah. Another big monkey. Um, gorilla. Bah. Long, swingy, weird looking arms. Orangutan. The oh. winner. Is that is it just That's that easy on the show? <laughs> well, yeah, this is for, you know, the great unwashed. You can't do complicated things on television. Well, that would—that's stupid. Why it's would you be? Been, a mil been up for they give away a million dollars on oh, this show. Me, no, someone just wrote—it's one-word clues only. Oh. Oh. That makes more sense. Oh wait. So what were the one? Again. Okay, let's do one more. Okay. okay. So uh, they must have changed the rule. I have to block our ears. He's okay. gonna. Oh, gonna Tim go. is gonna tell the audience, and uh, Richie and Sarah. La 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 la. Come aboard. The password is. Love Wait a minute, why is why is everyone blocking their ears? I'm, I'm making noise so they can't. Okay, the password is Dust Dustbuster. Wait, I didn't hear it. Tim Riley. Dustbuster. Okay. Did you hear it? No, I didn't hear anything. I was singing the love boat theme. Okay, let's play again. I can't believe you didn't hear me. We're not listening. Okay, this is the best show ever. All right. On where? At AM 970 KCMD Portland. The talker. All right. Uh, okay, Sarah, you go first this time. Oh, man, that's hard. Vacuum. Cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Minivac. Uh, that's two words. That is two words. No, Minivac is one word. Hyphens, hyphens don't count? Tim, is Minivac one word or two? <laughs> Minivac. I, I, I believe in, in certain circumstances it would be one word. Richie will let you know. All right, the judges allow it. Okay. Um, Dustbuster. Yeah! We're doing it again. We're doing it again. No, you have to leave. Oh, bastard. You want to find somebody else because I'm not going to let Richie be. We're tied. All right, you have to go. Yeah, go see if like if Bobby's here. This will be the tie-breaking round. 
Because I was going to do handheld next one. Oh, see, I would have gotten I totally would have gotten that. But then I wasn't sure if, like, iPhones counted. Regis Philbin does this on network television? Yeah. You know, network television costs like a, like, I mean, advertising on that show costs like 30 grand for 30 seconds. You can't make things too difficult for people. <laughs> well, clearly this is, clearly this is, I mean, we do this, this is the way to fame and fortune, I uh -huh. guess. All right. This they give away a million dollars for this. This can be the, the syndicate. Would. This can be the syndicated CBS radio version of the same program. We can sell it to someone. I was just going to say maybe we'll. Maybe this is what we'll do on the weekends. All right. Do you know how to play password, Lisa? You guess is, the word, right? Uh, Lisa Wood, promotions director, KUFO. Yeah. So the deal is, um, wait. So who's guessing, Lisa or Richie? Uh, what are we doing? We should have Lisa. <laughs> well, Lisa okay, the deal yeah, is, okay, <laughs> we're playing password. Local password. <laughs> Richie and Sarah will be told a word. Okay. Uh, Sarah will then take turns. Sarah will give me clues. Richie will give you clues. Oh, they're one-word clues. One-word clues, okay. and he can't use the actual word. You must guess the word based right. on his one-word clues. Like word the clues. game show. Exactly. Right. See, she's heard of this, this game show. A, did you know Regis, version of Password. Did you know Regis Philbin is currently doing a primetime version of the show where he gives away a million dollars? I hate him. Yeah. I, right. He gets, <laughs> all right, Lisa, we have to be not listening. We have to. Have okay, to so who's giving me the password? Or well, Richie will give you the clues, you have to but we have to yours. stop listening right now. Okay, he's going to come up with the password. All right, so don't listen. La, 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 la. Ladies and gentlemen, the password is barista. To the side. To a deluxe apartment. Okay. Okay, Let's play Password. You do, right. You're singing the Jeffersons to kill time. <laughs> Have you heard what we do on the show to kill time? I listen to your show. All we right. kill time four hours a day on this program. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so Richie, you go first. I don't even know what that is. Uh, you, you, don't know know that you don't know what it is? <laughs> How do you not know what that is? Coffee. So now who guesses me? You. Yeah. Bean? <laughs> Server. Barista. Oh. Bing, 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 bing. What? Said, Brooklyn. Coffee. Yeah. You All right, excellent. Let's well, you, hear it yeah, for me. You totally All right, lovely party gifts. Rice the San Francisco treat. <laughs> I have some easy money. Yeah. Yeah. Way to choke, Richie. Right, thanks. Have a great day. All right. Lisa Wood, host of Viva La Luna, Sundays, 9 p.m. on Rock 101 KUFO. And she's also a fancy schmetzy promotions director. La, 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 la. All right, that's great. Well, that was better than I thought it would be. See? We were going to play until we won, goddammit. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to give up. We were going to continue no doing it. All right, Jesus. Oh, jeez. The things well, we didn't make a living. All right. It's, it's there are people out there digging ditches, and we're sitting here playing past. That's what I'm saying. You know what it is? And when I say we kill time, I don't mean that in a bad way. Killing time is really, I mean, this is, we serve a purpose. So, I mean, I get, uh, you know, not to be all not to be all too down about it, but you get, you. I mean, you will probably get these emails, too, where you'll get emails from somebody like, well, I've been in the hospital for nine years because I have, uh, you know, consumption, and uh, I listen to your show, and it makes me laugh. And I always say, and I mean this sincerely. This show makes me laugh, too. The highest compliment I think we can get is when somebody has a bad job, problem, difficulty, whatever, and it's like, if, if this, if really, if we can amuse you half as much as we amuse ourselves, uh, we have done our job, ladies and gentlemen. Richie didn't even know what it was. He didn't even know what a barista was. Hmm. All right. I would. I mean, I. W I almost wish that we could go back in time and just have Richie and Lisa play that. Because if he didn't even know what the word meant, what were his other clues going to be? <laughs> what would his next clue have been? He didn't know what the word meant. Well, now I see how that could be a little more entertaining because you use the other person's clues and you can like add on to them. Yeah. Just like I so. Well, you needn't complain. You won. Apparently, Rich. Apparently, Regis Philbin is turning that into the number one show on television. <laughs> Jesus, there is nothing new. There are no new ideas. All right. Well, we treat it like it's brand new. 
I suppose. That's what we do here at the Talker, Tim. All Talker. right. Talker. All right. Uh, let's, oh, by the way, this guy says, let's see, I had an email here. Um, a guy says, um, about the, this is a guy who listens uh, in Philadelphia. He says, hey, about the Big Talker. The Big Talker is used by a station here in Philadelphia. Right-wing, awful AM crap. I cringe every time I see a billboard here an ad saying, Big Talker, uh, best show ever. That is Eric. Thank you, sir. All right. Shall we take some phone calls? Why sure. not? And then we'll uh, take a break. Tim Riley will come back later on. We'll do the top five. Oh, right. we'll do the Glorious Bastard of the Week. I, did the, I have the music for that, too. Uh, oh, and then the listener's got to fill in for Mr. Skin. we got to do that today. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. The secret word is you. Hi, I was uh, hoping to play Password. You guys can write the word down because I can't see it because you're on radio, and I'll play. Wait, hold on. Does that work, Sarah? I don't know. It's, it, the whole thing confuses me. All right. Um, okay. Well, uh, all right. Because you asked first, we'll do it just this once. All, all right, right, Sarah. So, uh, wait, now how would that even work? Then? I don't know. It, somebody there, write the password down. So I don't know what it is because I can't read what you're feeling you guys are writing. You're sounding a little you aggressive me, about the whole thing. And you give me the clues. The secret word is anger. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to be random. All right. Well, you know what? I will indulge you just this once because you're the first. You asked for it. Nobody else is allowed to ask for this. Or this is the only time we'll do this. All right. So here's the deal. Put, sir, put down the phone and pick it up again in ten seconds. Okay. Okay. I don't understand okay. What's going on. Just give me a word. Give me the password. Um, crap. Um, crap. Uh, doily. Really? Okay. It's not really going to work because there's only we, just, we don't have another team. All right. Um. All right. Hello. Hello. All right. So here we go. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Are you kidding? That's the word. How am I even supposed to tease that with one word clues? Um. You said a word. Okay. Here we go. Uh. Let's. Uh, here's the deal. Here's how we'll make it interesting, sir. Uh. Okay. Are you in? Are you a fan of Earth, Wind, and Fire? Uh, sure. Casual. If I but gave I, you a, I the radio. if I gave you a, fa- a pair of Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets, would you use them? Of course. All right. So here's the deal. If you can guess this in ten clues or less, uh, I will give you a pair of tickets to Earth, Wind, and Fire tomorrow night at the Clark County Amphitheater. Hey, I'm on vacation after tomorrow for two weeks. That'd be perfect way to okay. start it out. All right, Sarah. Well, we... I mean, isn't the ultimate resolution that he's going to have to guess it because he's not playing against anybody? No, but I mean in ten or less. Oh, ten or less. Okay. So would you keep track of how many I've, how many clues I've given him? Yes. So, sir, you got to guess this in ten or fewer. The audience knows the password. You do not. If I you get not. this, if you get this in ten or fewer, you'll go to see Earth, Wind, and Fire uh, at the Clark County Amphitheater. Tickets on sale for all Ticketmaster outlets. All right. Um, coaster. Roller. Lace. Lace. Uh, Lace. L a c e. Oh, Ellie, uh, Leif Erickson. Not Leif. <laughs> That's Leif. He's a Viking. No, Leif, Lace, L-A-C-E. Oh, L-A-C-E. Uh, Doily. There you go. Congratulations, <laughs> my friend. Excellent. Right. Well done. You're, that's not right at all. All right. You're going to see Earth, Wind, and Fire, my friend. I'm going to put you on hold. Richie Bristol will get your information. Woohoo! <laughs> okay, I'm thanks. Glad, I was afraid I made that too hard. <sighs> wow. I him to win. Sometimes I feel like this show makes my brain soft. All right. Can we just take an interlude here? Not a break, but an interlude. What can we amuse ourselves with for like 90 seconds? There's something we could play that's like 90 seconds long. Um. Something sort of uh, moderately, uh, moderately funny. I have this. 
less than an hour. Okay, sure, why not? Aircraft from the air will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July. And you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution. But from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live. Should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night, we will not vanish without a fight, we're going to live on, we're going to survive, today we celebrate our Independence Day. To build a sex temple. I don't mean for this to sound sleazy, but what do you wear when I put my baby in you? I better take off my pants. Take off your panties. Let me go to uh, the horniesluts.com. Rape proof like bosoms. Your bosoms? Uh, which are plentiful. It's really possible it's being hidden in my buttocks. You must take my seat. I'm sweating for the anus. No matter what you do in your life, you will never be as retarded as I am. All right, there you go. I feel better, except that uh, that independent thing is like screwing with my head, because now I feel like the show is beginning. Now it's 11 a.m. And yet it's like 2.12. All right. Do you ever look back and have no idea what we filled three hours with? Four I have no hours? Clue, yeah, honestly. Nothing. All right. Uh, so uh, it is now High Concept Thursday, and I'm going to tie this into Mr. Skin being on vacation. He is not here this week, not here next week. I haven't quite gotten this phrase boiled down exactly the way that I want it. Uh, and I think this is probably a guy thing, but that, that being said, I really don't know. I mean, I, the Mr. Skin thing is kind of a guy thing in general. I was going to do this. What do you think about this as a high concept topic, Sarah? Hmm. Uh, it'd be for today. Because Mr. Skin has gone, I was going to say, I was going to do as a high concept topic, uh, so, something along the lines of the, uh, the, what am I looking for? The, the groundbreaking, uh, the groundbreaking nudity that you watched as a kid, the the movie, the you know what I mean, the movie, uh, the 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 because uh, every guy has like that Fast Times at Ridgemont High story when you see like Phoebe Cates getting out of the swimming pool, and so I was trying to come up with some sort of a high concept topic about that. About your first experience seeing someone naked. Not even uh, maybe maybe first experience or like the definitive like. My defi- like the, the, the definitive like nudity in a bikini. Exactly, okay. like the de- like the definitive the definitive nudity in a film for me was blank. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that works. All right, so no porn films. Porn films don't count. It's got to be like a like an actual movie. Although we will accept uh, late night Showtime and Cinemax films. Uh, what about episodes of Silk Stockings? We would accept anything on television or film that is not porn. Let's put it that way. Uh, so so would we still say nudity then? Yeah, because Mr. Skin is nudity. Yeah. All right. So there you go. So we'll we'll see if this works. Uh, this this may or may not even even be be effective. It's five zero three 
Uh, 733-2970. And I guess i got to go through these uh, calls here because we have to clear out these lines. It's 503-733-2970. We'll do this uh, high concept thing, then we'll take a break. We'll come back. Tim Riley, top five, etc. All right. So it is high oh, concept. Do it right now? Let's, uh, okay. let's just do it now, and then we'll go into the break with it. So it is high concept Thursday. It is 503-733-2970. Please now, to be completing this sentence, uh, the definitive nude scene in a film or TV show for me was blank. I think. I guess that's how we want to phrase it. You know what I'm talking about, though. I think I know. All right, there you go. Let's uh, we'll take some of these calls here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. These are probably not high concept calls yet. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Not not quite high concept. How yet. can I help you, sir? No, the the super password there. First off, I'll take the sourdough. Um, the password game. Yes. There's actually a like a master password. So like, if the password, the super password was McDonald's. Then all of the clues beneath that would be like you. The first uh, word would be like somebody would say sandwich. And oh, would guess hamburger. And then and so then, it's it's and like then the go, okay. The first clue is hamburger, and then you'd be like uh, barbecue. It's no. like the jumble in the newspaper, where all of the Correct. clues form one master clue at the end. Correct. So then it would go down, you know, right. and then it would be like you know French fry and blah blah blah, and, right. you know, Big Mac, yada yada. Um, last week you were talking about the, uh, the shoes that make noise. Yes, sir. I was thinking they could make these shoes and then you could buy a little, uh, or you could download different songs into the shoes. Yes. And they could be called speaker sneakers. There you go. You ought to be, get contact Phil Knight about that today before he steals it from you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show and then we'll begin the high concept. Hello. Hi. I never win anything. I just moved from uh, Portland. Okay, thanks so much. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Let me begin our high-concept segment with the appropriate music. All right. Yay. 503-733-2970. Since Mr. Skin is on vacation, it is this. What film or television show had the definitive nudity for you? Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, Rick, it has to be Revenge of the Nerds. Revenge of the Nerds, uh, with the yep. ca the cameras and uh, containing a repeated phrase that we will not utter here on the radio, but the phrase uh, uh, the, uh, the phrase is, w. It, and yes, and it's when it's when the camera is it when the camera is in the uh, specifically when the camera is in the girl's sorority. It's with the pies, yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. All right, excellent. Well done, right. sir. Thank uh -huh. you. Was anybody uh, notable in that, like on the female side? Because Revenge of the Nerds it was like Ted McGinley and Ted McGinley, Jeff McGinley. Ted McGinley. Jeff McGinley. Jeff McGinley's the guy who used to work here. Ted McGinley was the big jock. And then What's-His-Name from ER was in that show as well. And oh, then right. John Goodman was in it, right? Wasn't yeah. John Goodman in Revenge yeah, of the Nerds? Yeah, he played the coach. Was anybody notable on the female side in Revenge of the Nerds? Yeah, not that I can remember. All right. The definitive nude scene for you was what? Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, is this me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir. Uh, well, it's... Uh... It's a toss-up, either Phoebe Cates, uh, Fast Times, yes, sir. or Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Trading Places. Trading Places. I mean, really, let me just say this about Jamie Lee Curtis and Trading Places. I mean, it, I don't know if those are real or not. We should ask Skin, actually, that the next time he's on the show, because he talks about that scene a lot. It's like, it's not even just like they're gravity-defying. It's like there is no gravity in that room. I mean, it really, it's pretty astounding. And here's the other thing about Jamie Lee Curtis and her topless scene in Trading Places. Because I think she's actually topless like three different times in that movie. Is that? I, I mean, I've seen Jamie Lee Curtis in a lot of things, like from Halloween uh, all the way up to Halloween H two O. I mean, that's spanning like twenty five years. 
I have never seen her look that um, top-heavy in any of her other movies. She looked it's pretty top-heavy in True Lies. That's true, because there's that whole scene where he's making she's that making, creepy scene where he's forehead. making her strip. That movie freaks me out. That movie's really weird. I don't, you know, can I say this? Maybe this makes me sound like less of a man. I don't care for True Lies because of that whole sequence. It makes me so, especially when you know that Cameron was going through a divorce when he made that. So that whole scene is just so weird. All right, Jamie Lee Curtis, Trading Places. Well uh, done, sir. How about, I mean, you got to give a hats off to Phoebe Cates, though, too. Oh, totally. Well, Phoebe Cates, I mean, that scene is so legendary that it gets parodied all the time. Uh, but it is. She is the original. She really is. I mean, she's kind of the gold standard in many ways. All right. By the way, I, I just wanted to say uh, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for being on the radio, man. You 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 make me laugh my ass off. Well, thank day. you, my friend. I appreciate. It. Are you spreading the word about the show? I do all the time, man. All right, thank you. It does. Uh, it never goes unappreciated, my friend. Thank you for listening. Happy birthday, sweetheart. Okay. Oh, maybe he was sending that out to his loved one. I wasn't sure because it was like he was talking to us, and then at the end it was like he was still talking to us, but saying happy birthday. Hmm. Higher on the Rick Emerson Show. For you, the definitive nude scene is... Gotta be Animal House, man. When the, after they go pick up Fawn Leibowitz. Uh... Fawn Leibowitz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hi, my name is Frank Lyman. Here for Fawn. God, what a horrible, what a horrible movie that. I mean, it's a great movie, but God, yeah. what a what a bleak, black, awful, mean-spirited movie Animal House is. Sophomore Good. dies in kiln explosion. Yeah. She was gonna make me a pot. <laughs> so are you talking about the scene when they're making out in the car? Yeah, that that's pretty hot, man. Even yeah. though it's like it's pretty quick, but uh, you know, everybody already stole my other stuff. You know, you got Fast Times, you got yeah. Revenge of the Nerds. Let, let's talking about Animal House. Let's not forget the sequence where uh, John Belushi is climbing the ladder to look into the girls' sorority, Absolutely. and they're all like having the huge pillow fight. Yeah, and then and then the, the very next window over after he hops on the ladder. Yeah. One of the most classics of all time. And then she takes off the bra and then he falls back onto the ground. Really, that's Absolutely. a scene to which many many boys became a man to that movie. <laughs> and then first scene porno, you know, you got to go with uh, Christy Canyon, buddy. Your favorite. <laughs> you know, one of the one of the true, I, as much as we don't really have porn stars on the show anymore, because it's a different kind of program, I think, uh, I will always be glad that being in radio allowed me to interview Christy Canyon. There's a picture of me with Christy Canyon in existence, and that's that's really all I care about. So. You're stud, man. You're Thank stud. you. Bye. How how uncomfortable does this segment make you on a scale of one to ten, or not at all? Would you say? Um, not at all. Because girls, I mean, yeah, I don't mean to make you awkward, but girls don't do this. Do, do girls scan movies looking for nudity? I was I've been sitting here trying to think of the first. I I don't remember. I mean, I guess maybe. I mean, maybe if I you're. Think, oh, you know what? No, I do remember my first ass in a movie. Really? Sliver. And this is male ass, obviously. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's what's like, his name? Blah blah blah. Baldwin. I was in like eighth grade. Yeah, with him and the pole and the. Because you nothing. always hear how girls are less visual than guys, you know, in terms of, you know, what arouses them or whatever. So I was wondering, I mean, I guess maybe if you're a girl who identifies as gay early on, maybe you do that. But I would imagine that girls... No, I mean, I don't think... And it wasn't a, like a sexual thing. It was just kind of like, that's when I first remember seeing like a kind of naked person in a movie. Is that when it first... Uh, is that is that the first time you saw something like that where it registered as, I don't know, as sort of significant in some way? In other words, you know what I mean? No. It just it, yeah. no, it doesn't. That's a guy thing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. It's High, Comp uh, High Concept Thursday. Your definitive nude scene is? This is going to, like, really, really date me and make me seem like an old-timer, but Vanishing Point. Vanishing Point, which I haven't seen for so long. I mean, I don't, I don't, I remember almost nothing about it. Basically, I was way underage to be going to, I think at that point, was an R-rated movie, but it was at, at a drive-in back when you had the little metal box stuck to your window. And... Um, 
the one that really sticks in my mind is the uh, one of the girls riding around completely nude on a motorcycle out in the desert. Yeah. Well, that's um, that, that was an awesome movie, and I, I highly recommend you revisiting it. I will then. I'll put it in my Netflix queue. Thank you, sir. All right, bye. All right, thank you. Uh, I'll do a few more here. We'll take a break. Come back with Tim Riley. Hi, it's High Concept Thursday. You're filling in for Mr. Skin. Your definitive nude scene, go. Well, I wanted it to be a special experience, but it ended up being a clockwork orange. <laughs> wow. Oh. That's creepy. <laughs> oh. Jesus. Yeah, I, I just... Uh, I actually I, just put my arms around myself and drew back to the microphone a little bit. Yeah, I kind of did the same thing, and uh, I've never been right since. Yeah, going munchy-wunchy on Twix of Toast. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, gotta go. Thanks, bye. bye. Wow, creepy. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. So it's uh, Morgan Fairchild in a movie called Obsession. Totally. Uh, Morgan Fairchild, we actually talked to Mr. Skin about her a while back because she doesn't age. She, and it's not Hollywood trickery. I saw uh, like a like a live TV interview for the other day. I mean, not under ideal conditions either. And she's still legitimately, I don't know if it's just good genes or she's an alien or plastic surgery. That woman doesn't get any older. Yeah. Yeah, she's oh, beautiful. God. That was legend around the schoolyard, so I had to rent that on the old VHS and uh, catch that one. It was amazing. Of course you did. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, we'll do uh, finish out this bank, then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Your definitive nude scene was? Porkies. Yeah, absolutely. I got a bunch of emails about Porkies, too. Porkies, which still seems, I mean, it's so, I mean, it's hard to believe Porky's almost 30 years old, but that's still a pretty, um, it's a pretty raw movie, as they used to say. Yeah, the people. Yeah. Thank you, sir. All right, Goodbye. two more. High Concept Thursday, your definitive nude scene was? Is this me? Yes, it is. Hello. All right. Life of Brian. Monty Python's Life of Brian. When he goes to the window and looks out and the crowd looks back and you see him full-fledged junk. Yeah, no, that is it. And it's uh, Graham Chapman playing Brian. And yes. he goes and he addresses, yeah, whatever, because they think he's the savior. That's just sacrilegious. I was a teenager. Yep. I was a teenager to see a man's junk at that age. What a great thing. <laughs> So I'm, see, I'm glad we had at least one female call during the seven. Otherwise, just a big sausage fest. All right, thank yeah. you. You're All welcome. right, final yeah. call. High Concept Thursday. Your definitive nude scene was. Hey, I don't know if I missed it or not, but did somebody say Total Recall? No, nobody did say Total oh, Recall. Nobody but... said Total. There's three of them. <laughs> like you're all personally offended. <laughs> it's like you actually are angry about its omission. Well, I, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, you know, there was all the all the standards, you know, but I, you know, I don't know. For me, that that was like one of the like Sarah was saying before, like the first time that I really remember seeing something that kind of had some uh, some significance to yes. it. And I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, you know, one, two, and three. It was it was a bonus. All right, excellent, well done, sir. Good call to end on. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right, there you go. We'll take a break. Come back after this. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth and the top five gun songs. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Next up, we play Pictionary. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. In just a moment, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth, and today's top five. We will do the... Uh... You know I think we should play? Charade. I bet that was over well on the radio. Is charades where you're... I don't even know what charades is. What is charades? Are you acting out a phrase? Yeah. Never mind. I was trying to make a joke. <laughs> But the charades is one of those things that I don't think I ever actually played. Is it? You don't, you don't say either. anything. You're just motioning. And but are you trying to? Uh... In charades, are you trying to get someone to guess a phrase or a word or what? I think it's. What are you trying to get them to guess? I don't remember it. See, that's it's, like a, it's like a word, a phrase, or a, a, like a movie, or 
See, I, I never played it. There's somebody in the office screaming right now that we don't know what we're talking. Did you really? Did you ever play charades? I don't believe so. See, charades is one of those things we all know, but I don't think everybody ever. Anybody we played really long played games of Monopoly. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom. Can I just tell you this? When I was about eight or nine, I remember my mom giving us the flat-out declaration that she would never again play Monopoly with us. We did play Password and Trouble with the Popomatic. Popomatic. The Popomatic ruled. Yeah. We'd play Sorry, and yeah. I always get really, really mad. Yeah. I'm see. But that's why we had to quit playing board games in our house because because arguments like especially boy was any my game my feelings would get so hurt with sorry now but we, I mean we had to stop playing sorry when you say your feelings are because you would lose no because I would almost get to the end and like my dad and my mom would, would bump you off or whatever just, yeah send me back to the beginning when I'm almost there. And so they didn't take it easy on you because you were no, a kid? No, yeah. I'd get so upset. My dad thought it was hilarious. See, my dad would do that, too. My dad thought it was, I'm going to make you a man. You know, and then he would bankrupt me really aggressively in Monopoly. <laughs> and I think my mom at one point stepped in and she was like, no more Monopoly. Like, she just refused. Uh, because I Well, think, that's the game that makes people mad anyway. It does. I mean, when you lose, you lose big. And it, because it's a, I've never played uh, Monopoly either. We didn't oh, you're just crushed oh, mentally. Oh, yeah. No, it, it destroys your it, self-esteem. It, it's bad for people really? with self-esteem to begin with, and then you just go down further. No, it, it, because it's a microcosm of American society. It really is. A, a Monopoly really is the most American game. It is a microcosm of our capitalist world. Because you end up earn a bunch, and then it's all taken away from you? It, well, and it ends up just like... It, my, Monopoly ends up just like real American business does, where there's like uh, two guys who own everything. You know, and and own all and run all of the money, and then like a bunch of everybody else who's just scraping by at the end, slowly going bankrupt. I mean, that's a terrible game. And Tim, do you remember this in Monopoly where you would get one, you'd be playing with some bastard who would end up owning everything, and then you would have like Marvin Gardens, and that's it. Uh, You'd have the the um, as it was then called the Oriental Hotel, Uh, and then you you know, and, and you wouldn't go bankrupt fast enough to just be put out of your misery. It would take you, and you would win just enough money to keep you in the game, almost like the game was toying with you, like a mouse. Uh, and then it would just take you forever to go bankrupt, and you're sitting there just like full of anger and hatred, and just wanting desperately to pick up the board and beat the other player to death with it. Maybe that was. But, just but you me. know, deep down, there's another hour of humiliation to come for you. <laughs> totally, yeah, and it's you know that it won't it's be. Like, you're suffering. There's nothing I can do here to win. Nothing. <laughs> Yet they intend to clean you out and make you feel as badly for the next hour and a half. That's exactly it, and you know that there's no way you can come back from it. No. It's it, it's like being it, in... It's the American Idol moment when you realize there's no way I can possibly win this. <laughs> it's like when you, it's like playing basketball, and you know, you're not even at, or whatever, it's like, like a football game, you're only in the second quarter, but the score is already 89 to nothing, and you realize, like, A, I can't win. B, I've got another hour and a half of this before I can even lose and go home. I mean, so it's just a long, slow circling of the drain. It doesn't get better when you get older, either. Because I went over to Storm and Davy's house, and I was playing, um, we were playing, sorry, with Davy and Davy's kid. Did they crush and you? Kid, yeah, and, it's, and they both decided to gang up on me, and I still got just as mad. Yeah, see, and then you feel like a retard getting angry about totally, it. It was totally stupid. It's a yeah. stupid little game, and I was getting so worked up about it. I can't play things like that. I get, I'm, too, I'm way too competitive. I, get, I take it personally. I mean, that's the thing about, that is the, really the thing about me, you have to know that... It, I take almost everything personally, even things that don't, especially things that shouldn't be taken. Per- I mean, and the weird thing is, the stuff that I really you think I would take personally, I don't. Like if some guy calls up the show and goes, you suck, you're a jackass, your show, I, you know, I got some email yesterday, some guy, you know, blah, 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 your show is the worst thing I've ever, I can't believe they pay you or whatever. That, that, I don't care. Some guy calls up, tells me the show sucks, whatever, insults my lineage, suggests that I perform an unnatural act with myself, don't care, doesn't bother me. 
It, but if I'm if I'm at home playing Candyland or something, you know, and I start to lose it, God damn it, you know, and I want to, and it's just stomping off, having to walk around the block three or four times so that I don't punch things. Well, the, the worst part is if you're playing with, with somebody you haven't known for so long, you start losing, and, and then they realize, wow, you're not as smart as I thought you were. I never thought in a million years you could possibly lose this game. And here I am beating you. And then you're just sitting there thinking about stabbing them in the eyes. Ah, Jesus, we're mental. Could we be more mental on this program? If the show was like two hours longer, yes. Especially right. so today. All right, let's do this. What it is, really. Let me, uh, where's my glorious... That's last week's winner. All right, let me try this again. Jesus. She's not... No, damn it. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's try this again. That, for the love of God. <laughs> I can't get anything to play correctly. All right, here we go. Greetings and salutations, Don Baldwin. You are being addressed at this moment because you, yes, you, are the g glorious bastard of the week with all the rights and privileges that entails. In addition to the envy of your fellow man, you'll receive a bountiful cornucopia of swag from the AM 970 pile of crap, including Nature Boy Ric Flair, the definitive collection three-disc set, courtesy of WWE's Night of Champions. Don't miss Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, The Undertaker, and your favorite superstars battling for honor and championship gold Sunday, June 29th at 8 p.m., only on pay-per-view. You've also won the wonderful knowledge that, for at least this one week, you are a little bit better than everyone else. Enjoy your newly elevated status, and don't hesitate to lord it over the less fortunate. Thank you for listening, Don Baldwin. You are the glorious bastard of the week. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. You know, if you have $300 in your pocket, the worst place to be standing is on the platform waiting for the max. There are other modes of transportation <laughs> for you to reach your destination in one piece and your $300 in your pocket. So don't be like the stupid person who uh, stood at the max platform at 162nd Avenue a few days ago. Oh, yeah, and two yeah. robbers come up to him. One has a gun. You know one's going to have a gun. And robs you of your $300 and wonder why that happened. So, uh, and then another, somebody else was stabbed who didn't have that much money, but that was 2 o'clock in the morning. So, if you just want to be robbed, be out there at 5. If you do want to be stabbed, be out there at 2. But if you do have any money in your pocket, take a cab. <laughs> like if I, if I had like $200. 200, say if you want $200 That's only on Wednesday morning. With, with you and your friends. <laughs> and you're not someone's Can I class? just, never mind, I'm no, sorry. I'm stop. sorry, I know, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop myself. <laughs> God, this is so hard. Can I please just say it? No. Can I just say it and then we can dump it? No, because it'll be on the stream. Oh. Yeah. Okay. We've already gone this far. But do exercise a little diligence. <laughs> if you have $200 or $300 in your, in, your, in, your, in, your, in your purse or in your pocket, don't stand on the max platform waiting for the train because someone's going to come over with a gun and rob you. Yes, they will, Tim. Let's play Candyland. Bragging on yourself. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I thought we might be stating the obvious here. So if you have money, <laughs> call a cab. Yes. Life on Mars. <laughs> NASA reveals we can now grow asparagus on Mars. I, okay. They found what appears to be the requirements for nutrients to support life. Now, basically, the dirt they found, the dirt that sinks to the ice cubes, apparently it's like dirt in your back garden. And they have just realized that we can grow asparagus on the moon 
but possibly not strawberries. Are you making this up? No, this comes from NASA. Okay. It was just updated. So now we have the capability of growing asparagus on the moon, but unfortunately, there were no asparagus seeds on board and no robot to plant them. So in future missions, we'll have to send something up there to plant these seeds, and on missions after that, we'll send somebody up to pick up the uh, asparagus. So there will come a time when you go to Fred Meyer and you'll go to the Martian vegetable section, and that's life in America at some future life point. Life in these United States. That's correct. Well, it looks like that train derailment cleanup could snarl the traffic tomorrow morning. Uh, they have reopened those ramps to the I-84 and I-205, but only temporarily. After all the cars go away tonight, they're going to close them again and uh, shovel up all the stuff that was dumped. So far, nobody's been hurt. And tomorrow's a big day that it's going to start to be in the 90s and possibly 100 degrees for at least two or three days. I don't think we have enough time to do the top five. Sarah, do we have enough time to do the top five? Yeah, we can do it. We'll do it quick, then. Five, Let's be positive, four, Tim. Three, we can do the top two, five. Yes. <laughs> Don't be a... Yeah. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best. Um, let's see. Tomorrow, Aaron Duran will be reviewing... Counting is happiness. Counting is something. I forget what. He won't be reviewing Wally. Uh, I think Scott Daly saw that, but Aaron didn't. Aaron's going to be reviewing something. I think it was crap. I forget what it was. Oh, Wanted, that new Angelina Jolie movie. Oh, God, that looks terrible. I hear really mixed reviews. I've heard some people say that it's a fantastically enjoyable film. So I really don't know. I mean, the uh, I, I really don't know how I feel about it right now because the, the, the reviews are very split. Here's Tim Riley with today's top five. And as the Supreme Court hands out its ruling affirming the right to every American to be armed to the teeth, we take a moment to examine this particular weapon in terms of song. These are the top five songs about guns. Number five, Kiss with Love Gun. Which makes me a bad Kiss uh, fan, but I don't like this song. I know it's popular and whatever, but... Even by Kiss standards, this song is just absurd. Paul Stanley has said this is his favorite Kiss song, though. Love Gun! <laughs> Rock is stupid. Uh, the only good thing about this, first of all, imagine someone singing a song today in 2008 called Love Gun. <laughs> Pull the trigger on my love gun. Are you effing kidding me? Wow. It's just dumb. I mean, it sounds like a joke. The only good thing about this song is the stage rap he does. Because it's, you know, it's great the way that all Paul Stanley things are great. When he goes, did you all have to go through security? I came in the back way, so I brought something with me. A weapon of my own. Oh, no. My love gun. It's just the worst thing you've ever heard. These are the top five gun songs. Number four, ACDC, Big Gun. ACDC's got a new record coming out this month, I think, next month. First thing, I think it's the first record in like eight years. It's a great song. ACDC is so unbelievably talented with their inexhaustible supply of riffs that this is not even on an album. This is a throwaway. This is on the uh, soundtrack to The Last Action Hero.
Last Action Hero really does have a fantastic soundtrack. The movie sort of has potential, but it's over long and a little tedious. I think they were almost 50 when they made this song. It's just amazing. Sounds like a lady. You sound like a lady. Counting down the top five gun songs of all time, Tim Riley. Number three, Aerosmith. Janie's got a gun. All right. What a creepy song. Video by David Fincher of uh, Fight Club fame. It's kind of hard to hear this song now without just, I mean, because it's just such an established radio hit, but I remember hearing this song when it first came out, it was just the creepiest sounding thing anybody had ever heard, because it's so unlike anything else Aerosmith has ever done. I mean, Aerosmith, you know, like, Walk This Way, and Sweet Emotion, and, you know, whatever. I remember the song, was it like 90, 91? Yeah, off the Pump album, yeah. And I mean, you know, this is when they had Love in an Elevator, and, you know, all of those real big radio rock hits. And this is so unlike anything else they've done. God, I remember this video. Yeah, it's oh, creepy. Oh, man, it was really creepy. It has all that weird Lolita imagery where she's laying on the, in the sun I with remember the what the dad face. looks like, too, in it. Oh. And then she's got the weird heart-shaped glasses. And there's that creepy scene where the daughter, where Janie, is laying in the sun in, like, a bikini. And you see the dad staring at her. And then you see the mom looking at the dad. It's just it's so creepy. And it's all kind of strangely whimsical sounding here. It's almost like a nursery rhyme. Not enough songs about patricides. Alright, got it on the top five gun songs. Number two, Warren Zevon, Lawyers, Guns and Money. One of our bumps to come. Totally. I love this song. So he always gets remembered for Werewolves of London. Uh, but this is, in the opinion of many people, this is the definitive uh, Warren Zevon song. I always think of Hunter Thompson when I hear this. Counting on the top five gun songs of all time, Tim Riley. Number one, The Beatles. Happiness is warm gum. Warm gum. <laughs> Look at Banner, Michael. This is warm gum. Happiness <laughs> is warm gum. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at four, five, six, and seven, top of the hour, the way through like us. Uh, this is Paul McCartney's favorite track off the White Album, by the way. In the crowd with the multicolored mirrors on his hobnail boots. 
What a weird song. A soap impression of his wife, which he ate and donated to the National Trust. There's another one of those songs that's in like six different parts. It's almost like a little mini suite of recording. Creepy song. Oh, I love it. Especially because the fact that the gun is warm means you've just shot it. When I um, sometimes I'll have like late night record listening parties at my house, mm-hmm. and the Beatles, one of my favorites to play. All right, back after this to wrap it up, the Rick Emerson Show continues next. Hello. And here we are. <laughs> like we never left. All right. How long do we have? Like three minutes? Like four. Three. Three. All right. Uh, Gridlock. If you'd like to sneak on before the end of the program, you can do that now. It's 503-733-2970. I feel bad we don't take more phone calls. I do. We just, there's, there's, there's so much to do. But then you wouldn't be able to, you know, talk about... Monopoly. Like, like be alone <laughs> for four hours at a time. Tim wouldn't be able to tell his obviously traumatic stories about playing Parcheesi or whatever it is. Uh, well, how everyone has traumatizing childhood board games and, or games in general. And everybody, and it seems like they do create a disproportionate amount of rage in people. So, yeah, that monopoly. I still hate sorry. Well, and, and because and, and because the person you're playing with always takes such glee in in beating you, in defeating you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which I guess is okay. That is maybe the American way to be competitive. Except that those games are supposed to be fun. I think that's the thing, right? Like, it's one thing if you're in, competing in business or, you know, you know, if you're dueling on the lawn at, at dusk or something. But, I mean, if you're playing a board game, it's supposed to be amusing. But it's never it's never fun. It's, it's not enjoyable. Fun. It's always just makes me, it just pisses me off. So, all right, let's take these calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, it's Dave. What's up? I just wanted to call you from the Wynn Casino. I'm sitting <gasps> poolside. You're that guy. You who, bastard. You're, I'm bastard. I'm you're the guy. guy that won the trip to the Wynn. God bless you, citizen. I'm here. When did you? Are you seeing spam a lot tonight, or have you already seen it? Um, we see it tomorrow night. Oh, you bastard! Oh my so, God, how beautiful how, is that? Casino? How great is that casino? I am in heaven. This yeah. is, I'm. I'm literally drinking a, uh, a Tom Collins full sight and feeling like a high roller. This is fantastic. What's the weather like? Um, brutally bitchin' hot, but I'm in the cool zone over here with all the misters, and it feels like about... <laughs> Son of a bitch. Perfect. You are an ass. <laughs> I know. I mean, great. don't get I me really wrong. enjoyed my trip at the Wild Wild West, yo. Yeah. I love being at the El Cortez where the rooms are $38 a night. <laughs> all right. Hey, how... I mean, just how are beautiful the, is like that place, Like, you walk in with the lights and the trees and the yeah. beautiful, like, it, lanterns it, and stuff? It literally feels like you're walking through some sort of enchanted forest yeah. of, uh, of sin and love. It's, it's just... Great. It's like no place ever been. Well, congratulations. You were the guy who did the, won the spam sculpting contest. Enjoy spam a lot. You'll have to give us a full recap when you get back, sir. 
Yeah, I'll give you a holler, yeah, give or take, midweek. Um, thanks again, and just, you guys are great, and this is as good as I could hope for. It's wonderful. Thank Bye. you, sir. Enjoy it. Always bet on black. You got it. All right. Bye. There you go. Oh, bastard. Um, Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? What's up? Hey, uh, I was wondering, I know it's not the, the normal genre of music, but I was looking for a, a, a good song, a uh, gun song. I always liked uh, Saturday Night Special by Conway Twitty. I don't know if you had thought about that or even heard that song. Now, is that the same Saturday Night Special that Leonard Skinner did? Mr. Saturday Night Special. Mm. No, I don't think so. No, this is uh, it's kind of a different one about a guy who walks into a, a pawn shop and a woman's pawning her wedding ring and... The guy's raking her over the coals, so uh, the patron behind her buys a gun from the pawn shop owner and then holds him up for all his money. Wow, that's great. I'm going to go listen to that tonight. Thank <laughs> you. Good one, Rick, man. Bye. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, Rick, I just wanted to I wanted, I wanted to make sure that you retain that sounder, the big snatch. Every time you play that, I cannot hold, keep hold myself. It's just absolutely hilarious. Well, you might hear it again in mere moments. Thank you, sir. Yeah. All right. No time to be fair to another caller. If you are on hold, give us a call tomorrow. We'll take your call then, my friends. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM970 Solid State Radio. Damn it. Damn it. Damn you, Rick Emerson. Talker. Talker. Well, crap. Uh, join us tomorrow when Aaron Duran will be here and somebody will be telling me exactly how fat I am. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards ready down. See you all tomorrow, my friends. Bye now. Snatch comes to WRC.